Welcome back to another episode of Day Drinking with Dougie. I'm your host, B. Fullington IV. Today with me is David Roger, repeat guest. David, here's a question for you. Was there enough room on the door for Jack to get on? Not only that, but I've studied buoyancy for the last 14 and a half years, give mm-hmm. or take 10 years. And not only was there enough room, but that was, as we know, from both having a background in carpentry and carpentry, mm-hmm. uh, both laying carpets and carpets. And yeah, that door would have floated with both of them. Yeah, easily. You, know, you displace the weight and the way that works on flotation devices. They would have been there for nine, 12 hours. No problem. They would have been chilly clearly, but they were already wet from, you know, the whole boat crash thing. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was a big issue for them. I would say the main issue. Um, I would say that that was probably, yeah. If you were to look at it and compare pros and cons, that one was probably the most pressing issue. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Okay. So here's a question. Do you think that that was a hollow core door or a solid core door? Because what we have to take into account is this is going on a ship and weight matters. So the, the ship was built by Franz Ferdinand's brother. And if I remember I think correctly, I recall when that, that happened, yeah. the ass- when the assassination took place, which started, which war was that? 1812? Yeah. That's historically accurate. I'm not going to Google it. No, and, it's 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. Free range thinking here like a chicken. And uh, Franz Ferdinand's brother. So at that time period, they wouldn't have been able to create MDF yet. So clearly it would have been a solid door. But mm-hmm. we don't know if it was a, a wood that would have had more buoyancy or if it was a wood that would have been more porous. If it was something like a variance of mahogany, like sapelli or something, it's not very porous and actually works great for outdoor woods. If it was a tropical hardwood, it would have been fine. Um, it was also your name in high school, tropical hardwood. It's my gamer tag still. <laughs> I get on uh, I get on servers for Call of Duty World at War, and I just rag oh, no. on eleven year olds. <laughs> are, there, are there people still playing that game? It's like me and like one other guy, so an eleven year old, my nephew. <laughs> You're like, hey, buddy, let's play World at War. He was like, fuck off, dude. I'm not playing this shit. I beat your dad up growing up. I can beat you up. <laughs> Jack, totally take you. So what's the most buoyant wood? The most. I don't want like roughly. In your opinion, and I'm going to hold you to this. Yeah. Most buoyant wood. Most buoyant wood. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is probably the most important question I'm going to ask all night. Yeah. Keep um, that in mind. Teak is really buoyant. Um, the most buoyant? I don't know about the most. I'm trying to think about what they would typically use to build because you would man like single canoes. You want something that would overlap that wouldn't be porous. They typically also do like this um, waxed coating, and then they typically have like an epoxy fiberglass shell that goes over top of it too. Mm-hmm. So you could use any wood that had good density but could still be um bent using steam so hard maple would be pretty buoyant if it wasn't quarters on rock maple which is really really hard and really heavy and dense 
um but you wouldn't want a soft wood that wouldn't because then it would be more porous so um i'm gonna go with pine going with pine pine's very (laughs) porous (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go with uh i'm gonna go with that pine that has that uh blue beetle infection that makes it you know that two-tone wood that you get to see it at the lumber store where it looks like cool for a second you realize it's not supposed to be that way and it's going to fail right right i'm i'm gonna go with cedar i'm taking a rough cedar and i'm just gonna get waterlogged from the get-go and <laughs> and, I'm, <laughs> and i'm going down so quick but i'm gonna i'm gonna go down knowing that i put up somewhat of an effort you know somewhat of an effort yeah so i'm really actually somewhat interested in finding out what the most buoyant <laughs> wood is now no Mind you, I'm holding you to this. I know. And if, if you're wrong, if you're wrong, I'm going to make up a bunch of lies about you and I'm going to get you canceled. Okay. Not just, not just from this podcast. I'm going to cancel everything in your life, including your credit cards. It's like the third search thing we type in most buoyant. Balsa wood is. Balsa wood is not, the most buoyant? Yeah, that's somewhat surprising to me because it's typically used for small projects and whittling and stuff but i guess that would make sense because it's so light would it would that be like a birdhouse wood they typically use that for like box car race cars like because you can carve it super easily mm. and you do a lot of um guys who carve birds and stuff use that so smaller carve birds? Like, yeah if you, oh like little whittle. figurines yeah yeah oh, not, gotcha. not, not like take a razor blade to a life bird. i was gonna say man this shit got weird you know me sitting on my porch whittling away at this poor woodpecker it's just squealing can't get this thing off my leg (laughs) oh my god grandpa what are you doing out there shaving a woodpecker Grandpa, is that a euphemism? No, I've got this friggin' bird and won't stop pecking at my kneecap. <laughs> it's just trying to wiggle out. It's just screaming for its life. Just a naked bird trying to attack an old man on a porch. He's <laughs> shaving him. <laughs> oh, that's so sick. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I, I don't know, but honestly, the, the visual to me is really funny. Just this idea of this old man sitting like an old crooner sitting on his, on his porch in a rocking chair peacefully trying to shave a bird while in his overalls digging into going through the thick denim to get to his kneecap oh Oh. no that's hilarious the visual is horrible but pretty funny yeah this is going to ruin somebody's day when they listen i hope so i hope that i simultaneously ruin people's day and bring joy to them at the same you know same time i hope there's like some emphatic bird watcher that's listening that's like what the fuck what the fuck you can't say that so funny enough that we've gotten on the topic of birds but uh i remember i i went on a date one time and uh met the girl's family and they asked me what i wanted to do where which is what you're supposed to ask people like on the first or second date right just get into it right away yeah who are you what do you want to do right i'm going to confront everybody who wants to date my boys like hey what are you doing, young lady? What you up to? Just right away, just instantly. Yeah. Where's your dad? What's he do? Get into their face. Why does he have Which that bird? You should, you should handle those situations that way. Yeah. So um, 
they asked me and I just straight face said, uh, ornithology, I want to become an orn ornithologist. And they looked at me strange and one, somewhat impressed. And they asked what that was. And it's the study, someone who studies birds, mm -hmm. ornithology is the study of birds. Oh, okay. and <laughs> the dumb thing was, and I don't think I can recall the information right now off the cuff, but I had done enough bird research and my granddad used to like carve wooden figures of birds as a hobby okay. um and he's always kind of liked bird watching and truth be told birds are actually pretty cool animals but he, he he's given me some books and i used to draw a lot of birds so he, he i had i had enough head knowledge to just start pulling stuff out and just making references as if this is a real thing <laughs> enough to get them convinced and then about halfway through dinner Someone asked me something. I said, I just, I hope you realize that I was clearly kidding about that. I'm not going to waste my life learning about birds. They're not real anyway. <laughs> and uh, I didn't date her for very long. No way. Yeah. Wow. You can imagine. <laughs> did, you this, did you try I to convince him at all? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I tried the same trick with Madeline and we're married and we've been married now for, you know, eight years together for 10 years and have two kids. So this like, is a lot works. about her, really. Yeah. She's a great person. She's probably the best. <laughs> <laughs> Did you try to convince them at all or even Madeline that uh, the birds are drones? Uh, no, Madeline thinks that the whole uh, scheme is hysterical. We both follow the birds are not real Instagram profile and watch the guy on the newscast where he threw up. I didn't get, see that. So the guy, and I don't remember his name off the top of my head, but he he's the guy who runs the social media campaigns. They had an actual meetup in St. Louis. They had a whole rally they've been doing around the country. There are hundreds of thousands of people who show up to these things. And I'm not exaggerating. No kidding. Wow. And the dude, it's the best part is, is the guy is either so bought into their persona or he is actually somewhat under the impression that there is truth in this that he's okay. very believable very believable right. i mean to the point at which he could clearly be a prosperity gospel preacher to oh. the level which in conviction knowing that there is a scheme involved in this but that he truly has convinced himself this is a reality yeah yeah i couldn't okay so i mean obviously birds are real right are we saying clearly that or no Birds are, yeah. There's no way that they're not. I mean, the idea that back in the early 2000s, the government pulled all of the real birds out and then gradually replaced them. And it's been an, an ongoing process of essentially having CCTV via bird drones is probably one of the best conspiracy theories that's not real, but would be awesome if it were. But I can tell you, and not with any level of pride and more concern, I have picked up enough dead birds to know that birds are for sure real. <laughs> yeah. Well, but wouldn't you think that the government has a technology if they were able to swap out all the birds for CCTV drones, that they had some sort of biological conversion material in there that once the bird was dead, you know, quote unquote dead, that it was able to then transfer into biological matter. Don't you think this we have a, that sort of technology? There's a two-part response. So the first part would be, are you asking, it's more of a question in response. Are you asking me if it's possible or plausible? 
because if it's possible, I think that there's definitely realistically without being absurd, there are enough strange things that the government has done and continues to do that it's not that far out of range for that to be some believability to that, that the government would be able to um, manipulate perception to the point at which something like that could be real. But is it plausible? No. And I think that there's enough plausible deniability in it to say that that kind of exceptional detail in deception is not something that would happen. Now, when the government steps in it now, you can clearly tell there's, it's just, you can leak all the information. So I think if there were a potential, because I do really want to believe a lot of conspiracy theories because I think they're fun and ridiculous. They're so fun. Talked about. They are. Yeah. I would love to think that there is, but I, it's just, it's not. It's just great. And I love the idea that there are people who really do believe that one because that one is such an, such an exaggerated thing. Like yeah. it would be so involved. To the point at which bird eggs, I mean, think about that. We're not talking about a finite amount of things. We're talking about something that you can like watch (laughs) (laughs) from your eyes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've never really seen a bird like strategically placed. Right. Like, you know what I mean? They're always in the worst part. Right. Yeah. Like places don't make any sense. Like this is a stupid Oriole hopping around my yard the other day. Like if you're trying to spy on me, you're the worst. Like you're doing the worst job at this. You're doing so badly at this. Like yeah. you're like one of the ATF agents at Ruby Ridge. <laughs> Ruby Ridge. Yeah. Deep cut. I like it. Yeah. I've never seen a bird just like strategically placed on a power line, like peering in my window or anything like that. They're always doing some weird shit. I was at a customer's house the other day. One flew into the window. And I have to think that if we have the technology to make birds into drones that to watch people, that they've got them figured out to the point where they're not going to run into fucking windows. Or the something that's been around so long. Front of cars, right? Like there would be yeah. enough overlap. Um, yeah, it's it is it is really funny though. I mean, truly speaking, just completely seriously, it is insane, but would be so funny if it were not even scary because at this point, there's no privacy, right? Like, at all. No, it's ridiculous to assume that you can live really off the grid. It's fun to think about that stuff, but it's not real. Um, but just the idea that the government would have gone to those extents is so funny. Yeah, it's so far out of the range of any believability that it's just it just brings me joy to think about how ridiculous that is. But to think about the government creating a conspiracy theory and murdering dogs in front of people all because there is an alleged thing that shouldn't be someplace. That's reality. And that's scary and sad. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's happening. That's, yeah, that's happening now. It's, it is actively happening now. It's, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. like taking beagles out, right? Yeah, there are people that are doing some. um he being Anthony Fauci with the um, the dog experiments. I forget what the hell was he even. Are, are we talking about the same thing here? No, I was alluding to the fact that there are still um, CIA and ATF agents who conduct no warrant raids due to suspected weapons, and now it is suspected conversations or paraphernalia related oh. to anti-government sentiments. Oh, and okay, they are. Um, breaking into homes and uh there's a couple of accounted cases where animals have been killed and individuals have been harmed in the illegal seizure of suspected property so yeah, yeah. okay I but, thought you were... but let's put all of our faith and trust in you know these governing bodies because they have the best interests at heart 
They haven't steered us wrong yet, David. They haven't. It's been there. <laughs> if we're making an analogy, it's like the Titanic, but they drilled holes in it to begin with. Right. Yeah. They had built-in fails. Yep. Yeah. I, I thought you were talking about that, um, that story of Anthony Fauci. Oh, no, having, that's pretty messed up too. Yeah. It was like beagles or something that they were chaining up to. What, what were they studying? Like sand fleas or something? They were studying the effect. Yeah. Some sort of effect on, uh, I thought it was, it had to do with virology. I could be wrong, but I thought it was, um, no, you're, you're probably of, right. The effects of something. And I don't know how it had, it was related to a virus of some kind. Um, but yeah, testing, they're eating the beagles alive. Yeah. And that's not okay to do. No, not on any front. <laughs> no. not, not okay at all. Like what the fuck is happening in this world? And I'm not even one of those people that gets, I don't like check my shampoo to see what was tested on dogs. Like that's not something that really phases me because there's so much adjacent problems with everything that's made. If you really spend your time doing that, yeah, you wouldn't be able to eat or do anything. And I'm not trying to <clears throat> play in generalizations or hyperbole. I mean, that's really what it's like. Although yeah. I do appreciate that Duke Cannon says never tested on animals, just bad interns. <laughs> what, what is that? Duke Cannon's stuff, like on all of their products now at the bottom, it says never test on animals, only bad interns or only terrible interns or something like that. What is that? What is Duke Cannon? It's a like soap brand. Oh, okay. Yeah. The other ones have like the big ass bar of soap is their claim to fame. And now they have this soap that's like thick stuff. Thick stuff? Oh yeah, it's like thick. What's called? <laughs> oh my god! Somehow that sounded so fucking bad. Oh, it is. It's it's not two C's. It says C K at the end. Um, not mm-hmm. only C K. That's a whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, but they have their the one that they have that I got Buffalo Trace scented. It smells really good. It's like cedar wood. Speaking of wood again, cedar wood and Buffalo Trace, and it smells good. Huh. It's mostly for me because I get to smell my beard all day long. So. Oh yeah. Yeah. You can't beat that. No. <laughs> so I think it, I forget how long ago it was. I had, um, Matt Lehman on the podcast. Did you happen to listen to that episode at all? Yes. I've listened. I think every episode at least once. So, Oh, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> it's a weird, I need something to listen to. <laughs> no. Um, d- so by myself, did you happen to watch his documentary Frankenskies? No, but I'm going to now you should. You should. Okay. It's super interesting. Okay. So what what did you think about um, his argument for chemtrails mm-hmm. and all that, just to stay on this path of conspiracy theories? So you'll have to refresh me on Matt's perspective on it um, because I listened to a lot of podcasts. So I know I listened to it, but I'm trying to remember in context. I worked at a bike shop with a guy who was fully bought into the chemtrails, not contrails, but chemtrails ideology. Yeah. The government is controlling weather patterns and uh, moods and uh, allergens in the sky. So this is one of those things where it's probably not far as a step. And you have to come and you know, let me know what Matt was thinking to make sure because I'm, I'm just drawing a blank on Matt's perspective on it. But the possible and plausible, mm-hmm. is it possible that the government would be controlling things in the atmosphere via planes in order to affect something maybe but plausible probably not Mm -hmm. um now all of the things that alex jones says 
that people get upset about because he's crazy and screams yeah. everything that he says. Right. <laughs> and his train of thought is so convoluted. But you look at how much that guy said 10 years ago. Yeah. That was true. But it seems so absurd. People didn't want to believe it. And mm -hmm. I'm not condoning him, by the way. I think the guy said a lot of things that are insane. But there's certain things like when he went on the tirade and said, like, they're putting chemicals in the water, making the friggin' frogs gay. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, <laughs> I love that's one of my favorite bits. Um, the guy clearly is not okay in certain aspects. However, yeah. when he talked about the whole pedophile globalist ring that was occurring and then all the stuff with Jeffrey Epstein and all the people connected to him. Yeah. Now it's like, on. wait a minute. You're really not that crazy. Right. Yeah. Right. So he talked about chemtrails at one point, Alex Jones did. I think that there is a possibility that they could be affecting certain things. Now to the degree at which people exaggerate it, I don't think so. I think that pharmacy companies and if you look at who they're connected to and the industries are connected to they have a lot more push and pull on what gets into our systems mm -hmm. and i think that that would be a trail to go down to really try to determine who is trying to have an effect on our body and who benefits from it and with the free market system we have with hospitals once again this is sounding like more than just a conspiracy theory episode <laughs> but i try to be very much a realist that the idea that you have any privacy is silly because the government owns you as soon as you have a social security number and get a credit card or have a bank account. I mean, what oh, yeah. information do they not have, right? You, I mean, every time you go someplace, you have to give your social security number or this. So it's like, they know who you are. Nothing's private. They have your IP address. Even VPNs are sold by VPN companies. So you figure that one out. Um, right. <laughs> I'm using Ryan and Salamanca as my VPN. And who's providing the VPN? You don't think that Nord selling information right right yeah so um to get back to chemtrails i don't think to the extent they probably have some effect if anything maybe maybe with the idea of trying to control allergens maybe for a positive outcome could potentially be a thing or maybe trying to affect or negate severe weather patterns but then you look at how terrible um Anybody who deals in meteorology, like their percentage of success is so low. And with the accuracy, we should be able to meet with barometers and the military level equipment that they use. Mm -hmm. You look at the military's ability to predict weather patterns, and then you look at the civilian ability. I don't think the government's controlling our atmosphere and weather patterns to an extent that's effective because they'd be essentially shooting themselves in the foot without, you know, that colloquialism yeah yeah uh, and that's really where i was having trouble because there is documented reports of like i think abu dhabi makes it rain like they seed clouds like once a week mm. and and you know makes it rain there because it's so hot and they need the moisture and and all that so they they're using it for that but matt lamon was under the impression and he's made an entire career out of this like this is what he does. He's a he's created an entire movement, and he does you know speeches, and you know he does all these things. I've got around. a three-hour drive tomorrow. I'm going to listen to the episode again. Yeah, and also if you go to um, uh, the higher side chats with Greg Carwood, okay. he's got two episodes on there where the second episode is using is talking about five G 
in conjunction with the chemtrails and so on and so forth. So mm. it gets into a little bit deeper and he was wanting to come back on the podcast and talk about 5g and stuff like that. I just need to do some more research to figure out some good questions and a good angle on it. But, but, um, but yeah, he, he thinks that the government's using chemtrails for everything. But if you watch, mm. if you watch Frankenskies, he's got solid evidence and, but it's, it's not evidence that he's presenting. It's evidence that he's sourced from military videos and mm. um, just, just like Freedom of Information Act requests and, and all that. And he's he doesn't really talk in the documentary. It's basically, I forget how long the documentary is, but however long it is, it's just clips of politicians, uh, military operators, and all that talking about what they're doing to manipulate the weather and using chemicals mm. on civilians and all that. So it's, it's very interesting. I don't know if I believe it entirely, but they've definitely ran operations to, to see if they can, you know. I, I, I think that's the possibility, once again, is there is the plausibility and to the extent. That's where I don't know. There are so many things, unfortunately, that where there's really nothing outside the scope of what could happen nowadays. I mean, which scary at the same time it's be able to accept it and set up parameters to be able to try and decipher what's true and what's not true um i without doing much more extensive research i would say from what i know and having um a friend who is without doxing him someone who worked in the military in meteorology and he would text me his weather readout and then I'd get like the weather channels and compare it and see how off the civilian market was. It's easy to see that there is probably something going on. It's not kosher with right, that, right? but to the extent I, I'm not sure. Um, it would just seem it, you'd have to then, I guess, to have the globalist theory, because then why wouldn't we be doing a lot of things to control the markets inside our own country to directly negate inflation rates and to help farmers and a lot of other things that you could do if you were controlling the weather? Like, why would it always yeah. be garbage weather in Seattle? Right, right. Well, because they make money off the antidepressants that they're selling for people that are all bummed out from the. <laughs> but you think about that. I mean, it sounds silly, but then in reality, would it be if you wanted to increase your profitability of a product, wouldn't you then want to keep people dependent? It's that's why without it sounding once again like a crazy, like, oh the government, man, we're in our basements prepping for stuff. I mean, realistically, <laughs> governing bodies exist um or originally to protect individuals and to be able to defend freedom and the rights to do things. That was the whole purpose of having any kind of governing body was to have consistency and the people were holding those governing bodies accountable. Well, that fell away at a certain point. I think when people decided to uh, be weak and then it's easier to just go along with it and to stand up for things that you believe in. Um, but governing bodies nowadays just want to make the people completely wholly dependent upon them because then they can stay in a position of authority for as long as possible. It's right. just like when they talk about toxicity, which is a word that bothers me, just know you're just crappy. Like that's what it is. It's not toxic. You're just, you're, you're being shitty, like without a better term, like that's just what you're being. Mm -hmm. And, um, <laughs> manipulating people into doing what you want them to do. Like we're both dads, right? right? It's very easy 
for us without trying to manipulate our children into obedience versus trying to set an example and model behavior mm -hmm. and then instilling in them a desire to respect and obey us. Those are two different things. And if you look at any authority in current times, they do not model any kind of practice, purpose, um, motivation, ideology, belief systems that warrant respect. Uh, right. So what they have to do is they have to manipulate and they use certain tools to manipulate um, to get compliance or to establish dependence. Uh, so I think that it's probably within the scope, plausible to the extent that some of these people take the chemtrails. I don't know. But once again, that'd be kind of fun to be wrong about that uh, because there are certain things like the globalist agenda that people have said is absurd and it's not really right yeah it's pretty transparent that that all makes sense yeah yeah and, and that's what's interesting is like 10 12 years ago you know if you would have said that the government was spying on us using our cell phones people were like what the fuck are you talking about it's a conspiracy theory and then edward Snowden comes out and was like oh no they actually are and now it's just a decade later now everybody knows that it's not even questioned. It's not anybody's concern. It's just an everyday thing. Like, you know, that they're listening they have the ability to listen in and record whatever they want. They could use whatever they want. Um, now Alexa's and Google's and set of homes have been entered into court cases because they're listening in. Like we we've entered into a very strange world where we've allowed the the technology to be such a benefit to our everyday life that we've given up privacy in pursuit of having convenience. Yep. Absolutely. And, and we're happy to do so somehow. Yep. It's really silly. So um, I think we've talked about it a little bit. So I, you know, I won't disclose information on location and stuff. I'm sure people know from hearing other podcasts relatively like what area of the country uh, we're in, but we're looking to do in homesteading in the next year or two getting started. And we've been actively shopping for land to do that mm -hmm. because we want to be more self-dependent and self-efficient and self-sufficient um, in a lot of areas. And a big purpose of that is because we're raising our family that we want to raise our boys to be men, which I know a lot of people would say like, Oh, whatever, but we want, we want to raise them to be men and to be strong men who are capable of doing things and being able to take care and provide. That's very important to me. It's a very strong conviction I have. And, um, it's something that I've tried to instill a practice and convictions in myself to, to do more of, and to become more self-sufficient. I've always desired to be that way and not out of a sense of pride or not relying on other people, but if I live my life in a way where I am dependent on other people and or rely on other people for things to be completed, I'm at the mercy of hoping that someone is either available or willing or desire to do that. And I think that's a very scary premise. Yeah. Um, we saw the fall through with the supply chain. Mm -hmm. We've seen difficulty with power companies. We've seen difficulty with water companies. We've seen when natural disasters occur that whether or not that's controlled by the government, if we're, you know, <laughs> just alluding to that idea of the chemtrails, I am, um, I don't want to be in a position where literally everything in our life, we're dependent on someone else or something else. Right. We started gardening last year. Um, nice. We're going to be 
partnering with some farmers and um, some meat processing places and buying some longer term food stuff. We've been trying to actively prep for uh, longer term food storage and not out of sense of prep because we think there's going to be a nuclear fallout and we have a bunker because that's just like guys who have a bug out bag, but have a family. It's like, yeah. you're, I'm just going to say it, you're retarded if you do that, because are you going to go bug out in the woods with your uh, survivor man mentality and leave your family to starve and die? Right. <laughs> you shouldn't be trying to bug out. You should be trying to hunker down yeah. and, you know, establish a strong family. Um, I'm more of a fundamental and traditionalist and those are important things. It doesn't mean you can't enjoy life and still enjoy technology. You and I are chatting. We only live like what, seven hours, eight hours away maximum with traffic. Mm -hmm. We're talking on two computer screens with microphones. Like there, there's benefits to it, but at the same time, this should be a very small portion of what we do with our technology. I'm even at the point now where Madeline and I set certain days where we just straight up don't look at our phones. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I know you talked about that. You and your wife do that shut down like one day a week where you just try to not do anything. And that little bit of it, you're not nearly as dependent in that dopamine drop that you get. Take that away. Go outside, draw a picture, you know, do something. There are so many things you can get to get that kind of dopamine drip. So, with all that to be said, um, I think that there, whether or not you fall into any sort of political spectrum, which I, try very hard to not i think mm -hmm. i'd fall more in like the if you had to put a party like the voluntarianism or libertarianism but i don't wholly subscribe to either of those because there's a lot of failures and faults with any system it's created by man it's just how it's work, it works yeah. um you got to start to realize there's enough problems in the world where you have to start thinking longer term and taking it a day at a time is not really a good mentality yeah. enjoying it a day at a time yeah but trying to prepare your life or deal with life a day at a time sounds like a good idea yeah yeah if things really hit the fan and say all of our resources that we typically typically go out and purchase at you know a grocery store or getting you know gasoline or whatever the fuck most people two weeks from now even a week from now would be absolutely fucked It'd be mass chaos if the if that supply chain was shut down entirely. A week from now, people would be robbing their neighbors. It, it, they'd be burning cars in the street. It would it would be mass chaos on a level think, that nobody's ever seen. I I think that people often forget certain things in life. One of those things is most people are capable of extreme violence. And I don't mean words, because I don't think that's violence. I think you can say hateful things. I think you can threaten people, but I don't think you can, I don't think words are violence. It's a personal opinion, but I don't think words are violence. I think you can say hateful things. I think you can do horrible things with your words, but you can't be violent with your words. Right. Um, physical violence. Um, you. Let, let me pose a scenario because I think both of us will be in a very similar boat. I think both of us try to be mild mannered for the most part, you know, yeah. respectful individuals who contribute not necessarily directly to society as much as directly to our families. And then those that we are in close contact with or with which we are in close contact. We're not putting prepositions in the end of phrases. And if, you know, something hit the fan and let's say neither of us had anything prepped or any forward thinking, 
how long do you think it would be until let's let's separate a little bit so it's not quite as real for people listening so they don't have to get spooked by it even though this is a fairly heavy concept if we're in a movie like um a quiet place okay and something happens where these crazy monsters come and eat people and you know, there's very few people alive and it's you and me let's say and i consider you to be a friend and someone that i would trust and actually you know i if we live closer approximately i'd imagine we'd probably spend a great amount of time together for sure uh if it came down to you or me i think we even have had a conversation offline somewhere if it comes down to you or me in that scenario i'm going home to my family yeah you know like and it's nothing about you but that's how we're programmed if i've got responsibilities to inform my family i'm the one going home at the end of the day yeah and i'm settled enough to know that i'm okay with that and i will reconcile that with anyone or anything at any point um and that doesn't mean that i have this desire to hurt people at all I, in fact i don't um Oddly enough, I think that you should strive for pacifism. I think you should be prepared for anything but strive for pacifism and not, not pacifistic in the sense that you're not willing to do something, but that you're not trying to engage or instigate situations mm-hmm. that you should be adequately prepared. It's an old adage, but if you want peace, prepare for war. It's, it's a reality. Yeah. You should be adequately prepared for anything at any time, hoping to never have to use it, but being prepared if you have to. So in, in that case scenario, if something were to fall through and supply chain were to fall out, it wouldn't be very long, Doug, if we didn't have anything where if it was me and feeding my family, I really don't know how far I'd be willing to go, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, I'm not looking to be malicious to anybody, but I got to feed my kids. Yeah. Yep. Me and my family is always going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> at the I end mean, of the day. That's kind of it, right? Is that, I mean, we, we've talked about certain things, but I'm going home at the end of the day. Yeah. You know? Um, 100%. Now, I also take responsibility for the lives around me, even strangers, right? I'd be, I'd be willing to put myself on the line. But if it's not a scenario where I'd have to, if it was something going on two hours away, I'm not driving into that situation. You know, I'm right, yeah. myself there. Uh, much like if we were in a situation, I'd get my family out of there. Instead of engaging, I'm definitely getting my family out of there. Because mm-hmm. um, I have a responsibility to them first and foremost. Um, yeah. You know, they've been given to me. It's a they're to be cherished and treasured and, and cared for and loved and respected um, above anybody else uh, in my life. But yeah, the idea that people live in such a comfort zone where that is foreign to them, I think it's because they've been coddled. I think it's because we have it so good. Even people yeah. who don't have it so good, we have it pretty good. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a very long train of thought that started with you know, some absurdity and now it's very <laughs> no that's very I, real no i think it's important because we we do live in uh, such a weird society to where even the the people that are the worst off still doing pretty fucking well you know what yeah. i mean like look at the homeless encampments in like california what are they like three hundred thousand deep in these homeless encampments like as far as you know statewide but i would much rather be homeless in california than doing pretty well in kansas right like if i was a single guy you know what i mean like if i was a single guy i would much rather live on a fucking beach where i got perfect weather year around and you can get a few bucks and go hit up the taco truck you know what i mean 
but here in Kansas, you probably look and smell like everybody else on the beach anyway, right? Right. Yeah, you're just enjoying yourself. What do you, like, what's the what's oh, the worst extra tin foil on you? Okay. <laughs> what's like worst case scenario? You don't have enough money to rent a bike on the boardwalk. Like, <laughs> like what's your real issue? You know what I mean? So even the people that are pretty bad off are still doing pretty decent. You know. <laughs> You know, like that's a great segue to make light of the situation, but it's true. I mean, um, I was fortunate enough to get the opportunity to travel uh, to, to Mexico over several summers to do what was claimed to be missions work. And part of it was, I think part of it's just a vacation for teenagers, but which you know, it's a whole other thing. We have a whole, people say that on podcasts, right? Like we have a whole episode, but I could, I could talk to you for a few hours about the whole like world missions and how a lot of it's backwards and a lot of medical missions that are uh, agnostic of uh-huh. any sort of belief system that go to these third world countries and provide medical care to those who need it are doing a lot better gospel work than a lot of these stupid yuppie uh, patchouli oil teenagers who go to these churches and take a picture with an underprivileged child with a cleft palate and like, look at all this good I did. Yeah. All yeah. The clout I'm getting on Instagram. Yeah. Look at um, me. Yeah. What a big bag of excrement I am. Um, but being there when we were in uh, like Guadalajara and then a um, few places, uh, just a little city at Zapopan and then um, Terracuato and then uh, Tlaquepaque, which are all different villages that are set up in different areas of Mexico. In um, Terracuato, they are Native Americans who live in south america um south america sorry uh adjacent to it who have migrated from south america to the southern portion of north america and mexico and they speak a different language these people literally live in mud homes right um these people when people talk about being dirt poor they are right uh they don't have anybody and the government sure is not giving out stipends or helping them out and I don't make, mean to make light of it because um, I think that there there is a need for voluntary charity to those in need, especially if you have more to give. And um, the government shouldn't be carrying a blanket for the people. The government was designed to carry the sword. And in a case like California, I think the reason that that is so prevalent is socioeconomically, I think our judicial system is messed up. Mm-hmm. I think people have a strange idea of paying into society versus um, restitution and repercussions from your actions paid to the individuals versus society. Someone came in and shot me in the face. I don't want that person to go to jail. I want that person to have to work in indentured servitude to my family for the rest of his life. Okay. Right. You right. know, yeah. I'm just saying like, you'll yeah. never be able to repay that, but why would I want that person to get a free ride in a jail cell where my family is paying tax dollars to put that person up? It's yeah. a very backward system. That's another very lengthy discussion, but even something like that, we've lost sight of this. And so there's this idea that we're paying a debt to society. That person doesn't know crap to society. They owe a lot to my family. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Right. So that's a strange thing. Um, I remember when I, um, I damaged a window on someone's property and I didn't go pay back the city 
for the damage so that they can then hire a contractor to go fix it. I paid the guy back by whatever money I had in my savings account when I was very young that I had saved up from doing miscellaneous jobs because we didn't get an allowance growing up. And then I, um, I worked for the guy. I did odd right. jobs for him around his property to pay for the damage I did because I owed that individual something for taking something from him, which is what I did. I essentially stole part of his property by damaging it. It wasn't mine to have or to take or to damage. Yeah. And so even that, so if we think about the judicial system and the fact that we've so separated ourselves from the notion of forgiveness, um, what that truly means. And when someone is repentant and if we believe in restitution or if we believe people can be rehabilitated, I am under the belief that there are very few cases where people cannot experience that or should not experience that. Um, if someone were to do that to me, I would hope that they would have to pay back my family, right? right to right. whatever degree it would be. That might be indentured servitude for the rest of that person's life. But I would hope that my family would forgive that individual because um, they can't take back what they did, but it is not our, our place in life to judge people for those things. Mm -hmm. You base people off, off of their actions, obviously, and the fruits of their labors, but to hold a grudge and be in resentment of an individual is just as wrong uh, for using the right, right terminology, terminology for me. It's just as sinful to do that. So I think with the homeless situation, a lot of it comes down to the fact that we've set up a system that doesn't work. And so these people are subjugated to things or voluntarily put themselves in situations where they're now in that spot. Um, we promise success moving to certain places like California. How many people are living in a closet, literally, I'm not exaggerating, literally live in a closet and that hundreds if not thousands of dollars a month and that's not sustainable and with inflation right. rates so yeah people are literally homeless because they can't afford to live in a home because we have set up a series of markets not capitalism it's it's an ethical issue right, it's not right. free market capitalism that causes the problem it's a moral and ethical issue that people take it upon themselves and act on their own interests and that would happen the same thing with the socialists or communistic it might actually be worse because there would be less free market opportunity for people where I can't go start my own job because I owe the government my life. So um, it's sad. I think people are still a lot better off, but things could be fixed in a very long time with some significant changes that are not really that hard to do, but it's going to take a long time. That's going to be painful for people. Yeah. Uh, and, and a brunt of that responsibility falls on people who would claim to be believers and to take back their charge without getting preachy. Uh, if people who claim to be believers actually read the Bible and understand it in its entirety and its context, which is how it's designed to be read and interpreted and applied in James, um, specifically, he talks about what um, true and undefiled religion is coming and meeting orphans and widows in their time of need and providing for them and counting joy when you fall into various trials. And so in a very small excerpt taken from a certain passage of scripture, a certain book, if true and undefiled religion is meeting orphans and widows at their hour of need and providing for them the way that God has intended, church does a really bad job of that as a whole. Um, 
no matter what the particular denomination is or sign they put on the front of their stupid building. Speaking from someone who is a firm fundamental believer and a non-denominational Christian, that is the church as a whole, who claims to be a church, has done a very bad job of that. And in fact, has bought into the idea of clout and public acceptance versus doing what they're supposed to do. Right. So that's why you get a government that has fake bird drones that are controlling the weather patterns to be able to manipulate <laughs> people to yeah. create subservient desires because people are not seeking the truth. Instead, it's easier to believe a lie and fall into a line of convenience. So fixing this, just to circle back to um, possible and plausible. Yeah. Are you saying that this is plausible over a period of time with grit and hard work? I think that if we fall under the belief system that it is all lost, that there's no chance for anything to be better. It's very nihilistic and I don't think it's realistic. However, as someone who believes in something beyond this temporal world, and I would recommend anybody try to seek that and not in any source. I think that you over time find things and there's plenty of people who have been either agnostic or atheistic who have come to that realization because there is nothing more true or real. And I'm fine if people want to think that I'm ignorant or stupid because I would rather be stupid and believe this and be right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I'd be willing to hedge my bets on that. Uh, I think that because this is not permanent um it and left under man's control uh or belief of control that things will fall and crumble but um kingdoms rise and fall they're not meant to be eternal so we'll see things change over time i think people people believe that we live in truly unprecedented times but everybody has in yeah. their existence where they couldn't expect or interpret things or expect things to happen rather so um I think that more than grit and hard work, I think it's going to take people to be willing to develop extremely rigid beliefs, no matter what that might be, and stick to them and be willing to defend the freedom of individuals to provide and protect, no matter what their ideology might be um so i think that there is possibility plausibility that we'll experience that in our lifetime part of me wants to have hope that that could happen i don't think it will i think things are going to get a lot worse before they get any better but i if we're looking at the trend and the supply chain falls through and inflation gets to a point in which it's unrealistic and our children's generation is the one growing up in their kids. I think it's probably going to be two generations of consistent hard work and trying to build back um, fundamental foundations and um, not going back to the way things were because there's been so many things that have been wrong for so long, as long as man's existed, but trying to do things right and better. I mean, if that's their approach, I think that there are. Uh, there is rather a good chance that at some point we will see things being better. We see it. I mean, as dumb as it is because the government doesn't have the authority to do so, uh, the mask lifting thing today, everybody that I saw was walking around minus a couple percent of people didn't have their masks on in places and people looked like people again were happy. 
oh, you just said the keyword for this episode, happy. So on that keyword, we will take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about that more. Hey, I'm Shari. And I'm Shayna. And we are two curvy models. With a knack for life and family. So come join us on this beautiful journey. Where the chaos never stops. It's going to be so exciting. Shari Shari and and Shayna on all platforms. platforms. Now that's S-H-A-R-I. And S-H-A-N-E-A on on all platforms. And um, so... Before we took that break, you said the keyword, um, people were removing their masks and they looked happy. And I know that it was such a weird thing for me to, and I wrote it down. Look at this piece of paper. See, I wrote it down before, that before this the, podcast. Why is your paper so wet? It, well, I had it in my pants and it was there for safekeeping. And I have notoriously moist um, Southern regions. And like the ice? Yeah, yeah mostly. Yeah. Back pocket or front pocket guy? Back pocket. I go back pocket. I'm yeah. having a hard time believing you because I know you don't wear pants. Oh, damn it. I didn't know that you were going to bring that up. Okay. Yeah, no, you got me. Um, so, yeah. And that's more of a financial, like a fiscal responsibility thing that you don't wear pants. It's not a lifestyle choice. It's that you just, you save a lot of money by not purchasing and owning pants. Pants are so expensive, David. So They're expensive. so expensive. And, and really... I, I don't think a lot of people know this, that you don't buy the pants, you buy the pockets. And in the same way that you don't, you don't pay a prostitute to have sex with you. You pay her to leave. And I forget who said that it was a comedian <laughs> or something, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, you're not buying the pants for pants. You're buying the pants for pockets. Uh, I worked with a guy for a long time when I worked in, at a bike shop and he would go on rants about how, the government, which I just love anytime people would say that in particular, like throw it out there as a reason for something when it might not be the government, it might just be an industry that did it. Right. But right. The government is trying to, uh, trying to control you by selling you underpants because they're just selling you pants to go underpants. Like you don't need them. <laughs> and then he, the best part was, is when all the studies came out about, uh, the dangers of skinny jeans or skinny pants or sitting cross-legged and you're, your sperm count, like why men shouldn't be doing this, like go back to boxer briefs. And then I watched a Seinfeld episode that was like 12, 15 years earlier than these studies came out in the public where they talk about that specifically. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like Kramer's worried about his sperm count. So he goes back to wearing boxer briefs then he goes back to just rocking it free. And <laughs> I was like, this is a real pressing issue that people talk about. And it is silly. Now I still wear them because they're comfortable, but yeah, I get it. I get how someone could go down that rabbit trail and like, no, this is definitely a conspiracy. We don't need two pairs of pants on all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, and you know, the only thing that I think of as far as, um, and this isn't at all the direction I thought this conversation was going to go, but I'm, I'm happy it did. Cause I, I feel the need to talk about this. Okay. So is it really Mac Weldon, your sponsor? Who's that? I'm not Mac sure Weldon, that. maker of fine men's apparel. Are you looking oh. for a pair of lounge pants, comfortable t-shirt, maybe a zip up hoodie. If you're looking for some merino wool tech clothing, how about a pair of antimicrobial silver lining underpants? Look no further than Mac Weldon. Use the discount code Dougie Did It to get 25% off. <laughs> so you accused me of working for them, but it turns out you were just turning the tables for you to plug an ad. 
if you take the letters in Mac Wells and then rearrange them, you get a different word. The frogs are gay. <laughs> chemicals in the lake to make the freaking frogs gay. <laughs> Alex, calm down now. Um, so, no, the- listen, I'm a little bit retarded. <laughs> That's probably one of the best lines ever. And there's going to be like two people that listen to this that knows what we're talking about. You're like, that guy's super insensitive. It's like, no, nah, it's a word. <laughs> It's a word that has a real application in everyday speech. As someone who literally has had people say some of the most violent, hateful things about me and has had my feelings hurt, at a certain point you realize it's just words. Like, yeah, Yeah. it hurts. And yeah, you might be psychologically damaged. And yeah, you might have to go to therapy or talk to somebody for the rest of your life, but they're words. Yeah. Yeah. They're words. Yeah. I'm rubber ear glue your way out of this. You know? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to get rubber to you and now we're stuck together. Yeah. Well. That seemed a little gay, but <laughs> gay is another thing that you can't say. You can't say that, right? <laughs> it's you funny because it? <laughs> we're like a tangent within a tangent, but um, <laughs> it was so funny. That's, pretty, that's a pretty gay thing to say. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the previous episodes where I gave Jackson Mahomes so much shit. And I was calling, I called him a fairy. I don't know how many times on the podcast and everything. <laughs> I was calling him gay left, right, and center. And then I saw he came out yesterday or the day before saying that the media was ruining his life. But he's also the same person that's posting 40 TikToks per, per game that he's attending for free, you know, while living off of his brother. But the media is ruining his life, you know. Good Lord. Um, what, oh, undergarments. Okay. So back to the hot topic here. Mm-hmm. Oh, hot topic! By the way, we should bring that back. Oh yeah, hot topic was great. They got some good I wanna, posters. I want to, sh- I want to um, create a store that sells just generic gray T-shirts that has uh, quotes from movies or podcasts or something that's unrelated to the topic at hand, and it's just called off topic. Oh, nice! And you're right next to it, and people are like, "What's this about?" It's like it's off topic. It doesn't necessarily make sense, but if you understood the context, you'd get it. Dude, there would be so many people, especially nowadays, that would get it just to be different. Yeah, they're like, I don't know what this means, but it's like, it, you know, I interpret it to mean this. Like, you just sound retarded now. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know what's funny is everybody has always tried to be so different. And in the pursuit of everybody trying to be different, they somehow all look the same. I'll tell you what, like, I bought these glasses because I don't like to wear dark glasses look on my face. And... I remember looking at a certain pair and Madeline said, I don't know. They don't, they don't look like really, they don't like a strike. I would wear those. And so I got a different <laughs> pair. It's like, are these better? She's like, yeah, those work for you. And I like the fact they don't really distract from my face at all. Like they just, they're clear. And so it's super convenient, but I also realized I thought they looked cool. And I was fine admitting like, I like these glasses. I think they look cool. Yeah. I didn't see them on someone else's face. because I want to look like that. But if someone else has clear glasses, like that's fine. Cool with you. I like this hat because I saw a Sendero ad and I like their hats. Like, that's a cool hat. I want that hat. Right. <laughs> but people then were like, this is just my style. It's like, no, I bought this hat because I liked it. I bought this shirt because I, it's woven brand, by the way. Speaking of which, if you want to deal on woven shirts, it's <laughs> W-O-H-V-E-N, woven. You can sign up $11 per month. You get a shirt shipped straight to your door at the first of every month. Use the oh, wow. code Dougie did it again for 25% off. Oh, that's not going to get confusing at all for the promo codes. People are going to get on with these promo codes. They're going to call you or me. <laughs> what? <laughs> They're going to be messaging me on Instagram like, hey, your shit didn't work, man. 
David gave a false plug. You owe me money now. <laughs> like that wasn't even David. That's my friend Scott. I don't even know that anybody named David. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Okay, so undergarments. The only and and I and I understand the argument with underwear. That's fine. I I can I can go with that. Talking underpants specifically. Um, socks are beneficial just to keep odor to a minimum. Oh, it's absolutely. A, like as an extra liner. To, right. The amount of time you have to spend to get your feet conditioned to not wearing them. You either have to grow up like that or you have to ruin your feet, shoes, mm-hmm. and people's lives for a while because of how bad it's going to smell. Yeah. But I will say, and, you know, if push came to shove, I, w- I would get rid of socks. It wouldn't be pleasant for anybody near me, but I would do it. The only thing that I'm not going to get rid of is undershirts. And this is something I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I've said it to my wife, Shana, for years when I and by years, I mean, like the past few years. And I realized I reached a certain age slash maturity when I started tucking in my undershirt. Oh, and yeah. and because I realized that wearing an undershirt actually serves a purpose. If you lift your hands above your head and your stomach's all out, nobody wants to see that. You know what I mean? Or you bend over, you're working on something like, you know, I do manual labor. Like nobody wants to see that. I've, I've been around many contractors that don't understand how beneficial an undershirt could be if they just tuck that shit in, you know? Yep. And you can get like super thin undershirts, get like something that's basically, you know, a moisture barrier that just pulling material, all yeah. kind of material that sounded weird, like it's pulling material <laughs> off your body. But pulling body material. It's like a skin graft. It's exfoliating. <laughs> this guy's made out of, yeah, it's just like a hundred grit sandpaper. This guy's fucking carving birds with his undershirt. The best part is I take my shirt off at the end of the day. And yeah, I've got a bunch of lesions, but my skin is so supple around those lesions. (laughs) Look at this. There's not a single clogged pore because you don't have any pores. Your epidermis is removed. (laughs) Yeah, but still. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't fucking need them. Oh, that's so great. But yeah. Epidermis, epidermis. (laughs) You've always said that though. (laughs) so but that would be that would be like the the one the one thing that i would want to keep as far as undergarments go and in this conversation since the ad break i've never said undergarments more times than what i've ever heard anybody say undergarments as much as you and i was in a mormon church for a little while yeah well yeah that was interesting that's not true i wasn't you know you can't get in there unless you're part of it yeah I I had a I had like a free like I got it from Wendy's where you get like a free frosty and access to Mormonism. It was pretty great. So um removing your secret things. name. What's your wife's secret name? My wife's secret name? Yeah, in when in Mormonism, because everybody believes that they're a deity and they'll be able to achieve their own universe. This is all real, by the way. This is not me making it up. That if you earn enough merit essentially with a god of a universe that you are participating in you will be able to create and establish your own universe where you are the God and deity. But in order to find your significant other in the other world or other life or universe, you have to have a code name that only you and she know. So here's a problem though with that. And this is where my brain goes to, and I'm going to talk about removing things. Sorry. Is it like a username where David would have been taken. So I'd have to do David underscore one or David underscore zero. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. Can you imagine like Ravenclaw underscore nine, three, seven, four, two underscore dash B. <laughs> like it's yeah. a Google recommended password. Yeah. 
you gotta write but, this down <laughs> but also what if your death was so traumatic that you can't you can't remember like you're not or, or does your 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 experience of your death even matter once you reach that stage well i believe that there are some the issues that parallel that are parallel to um catholicism in regards to works righteousness essentially earning your merit with god and standing and that you can lose your salvation so i think that it probably would play a factor if you died for nefarious reasons and or died via suicide or self-inflicted um whatever scenario it might be Mm -hmm. because it would have to be suicide no matter how you would define that uh unless it was involuntary um i think that would affect it but the weird thing to me is like how how are you going to remember that no matter what happens even if your death is traumatic like how are you going to remember that yeah. like the coding right that's yeah. just it's a strange thing so back to undergarments because they do have to wear special underwear so back to undergarments getting rid of those because they have <laughs> secret underwear that people think is a joke but that's reality that's a real thing that they have so yeah yeah it is well just to touch base on the previous um topic my my gamer tag is Dougie does it. And I feel like Shana should be able to remember that she should, you know, she doesn't because I I don't have some wild um, gamer tag or or what, what is it in the afterlife? Is it gamer tag or username? I guess it would depend on if we're in a simulation or not. If, if we're in a simulation, I think it'd be a gamer tag. Gamer tag. Yeah. Mine would be my Instagram, which is session Kenobi because that's just, it's dumb and I like it. So that would be okay. Me. Before we get to the topic that I wanted to get to, I've always wanted to ask you, and for whatever reason, I never have. Why Zeshwan Kenobi? So um I like Star Wars. So Obi-Wan Kenobi is a character from Star Wars. Um, and uh like all I shouldn't say all because that's generalization. Uh majority of guys primarily who like memes and like cartoons because i draw so i like cartoons um rick and morty has a specific place in my heart like where i just think it's funny it's just silly it's a goofy show yeah uh it's dark but there's some funny stuff the episode where um i don't think it's rick mancing the stone it's one of the later episodes of season two or three i think uh where nathan i'm gonna butcher his last name i think it's fillion he's the guy from castle the show he uh, plays like a bug character and they go through his own mind and he's like, we got to go back to whenever Disney released Mulan, they released a special Szechuan sauce for the chicken nuggets. You got to eat it. It's the best and thing McDonald's, ever. McDonald's, right? Yeah, McDonald's. You could only get it there. And so when he mentioned that, Szechuan sauce just stuck in my mind and I realized that we had had Szechuan chicken like a couple weeks ago at some friend's house. It was delicious. Mm-hmm. And I was like, so I know what that tastes like. So I can only imagine... You know, if I didn't have all the dietary issues I had, enjoying Szechuan sauce with chicken nuggets from McDonald's would probably be banging. And then I was like, Szechuan, Szechuan. And I was just like, Szechuan, 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 Kenobi. Yep. And I looked and no one else had taken it. It's like, that's a super like um, pop culture reference, Szechuan Kenobi. So that's why. It's pretty fucking brilliant, if I'm being honest. I think it was more a stream of consciousness for someone who might be mildly, mildly autistic. Yeah, maybe, maybe <laughs> let's not take that off the table. People like use that word. Like it's a bad thing. You know, most people who have some sort of uh, degree of autism are highly functioning. They just like the obsessive compulsive aspect of it. I think it's just a tendency people have who might be on the spectrum a little bit. 
and I'd be okay if I was. Yeah. And I'm fine. I am. Like, it's fine. Like, it'd be cool. I mean, okay. You know, whatever. Yeah. I was just having this conversation two days ago with somebody where I was saying, and I'm not making any sort of joke or anything, but I thoroughly believe that autistic people are some of the most, if not the most brilliant people to ever walk the face of the planet. Now, obviously there's a spectrum, but I feel like there's a lot of autistic, you know, Asperger's and everything. I know that all kind of, kind of funnels down into the same kind of category, but if we didn't have those people that were um, just hyper dialed in on things, we probably wouldn't have the things that we have now. No, we wouldn't. Everybody has to have a specialization that. So this is actually a topic, you know, you asked, is there anything in particular that I would like to talk about? This does tie into something, but I want to get back because I know I keep not purposefully, but unintentionally interrupting based off of my stream of consciousness thought with you or just conversation. And it's rather free form. So in regards to removing things, undershirts, not getting rid of, I'm a huge proponent of not getting rid of undershirts. In fact, it bothers (laughs) me when dudes don't wear them, especially with dress shirts, because I wear dress shirts on a rather frequent basis because I have to for work and guys who don't wear undershirts. Now I can say when you're casually wearing a button up shirt outside a majority of the time, don't wear it because you're just going to sweat a bunch. Like it's antiperspirant. It's like one of the most freeing feelings, like a slightly loose button up shirt when it's hot outside feels great. They're generally thinner, breezy. Mm -hmm. And then you get to rip it open and show off that chest hair. You've been gluing onto your chest for the last six months. Yeah. Um, but undershirts, they're important. People should wear them and use them. So what what would you get rid of though? We were talking about undergarments. Um, it wouldn't be so much as an undergarment as it would be a garment that's taken place over the past two years. And that would be the mask. Getting yeah. rid of the mask is so important to me yep. on so many different levels. Um, mainly... You know, I have I have three boys, and I and the older two have been on the podcast before for the for the shots episodes and everything. Um, but you know, the, all three of my boys right now have to wear a mask in school. Now, as of I think March tenth is the last day that they have to wear a mask. So I I believe next next Friday, which when this comes out, it'll be this Friday. They'll this will be the first time that they've not worn a mask in school over the past two years mm-hmm. and that, that, you know, year one, they, they were predominantly, you know, at home learning online. And, yeah. and at the very, very beginning, we were just getting packets of homework yeah. mailed home and we were just doing homeschooling and, and everything, which we were fortunate enough to where I make enough money with my, my career that my wife is a stay at home mom. She's a homemaker. She, she, does the goddamn thing. And she was able to stay at home and teach the kids and work with them with their schoolwork, whereas many families weren't able to do so. But here we are two years later, and we're just now getting rid of the mass, the mass that haven't done a fucking thing. In my opinion, you may feel differently. And you could, I don't think so. No, not only would I not correct you, I would say that they haven't, there was no need or purpose you talk to anybody in the medical field, anybody, regardless of where their bias or their perspective or political or socio, whatever it might be. If it wasn't an N95 that was fitted to your face for a certain amount of time after you were perfectly clean in perfectly clean environments mm-hmm. with people who are in the same exact situation, it's ineffective. Yeah. Not only that, to wear a cloth mask 
that was unwashed, used multiple times, not only was it ineffective in spreading the virus, it probably actually spread it more because the amount of times you're contacting your nose, your face, your mouth, and the mask, and then just sitting there with the germs without any, so it's really silly. And I, I am, um, not only would I would agree with you, the fact that I think their masks are completely ineffective. I think it was strictly a tool to signal whether or not you were compliant. And I'm not talking about yeah. any sort of like crazy people took it to an nth degree. That's not it. Will you comply with this? Mm. And my heart is broken for the kids who have done it. Yeah. Now, um, my eldest son wore one one time for a few minutes and I took it off of him. And um, I refused at that point to ever put a mask on either of them or put them in a situation where they had to. And we decided to not do certain things that would have required. And we made certain sacrifices to where we you know, wouldn't wear them unless we absolutely had to. Mm -hmm. And by had to, I meant like it was going to the hospital for the birth of one of our children and um, some instances for work for me where I have to. Um, other than that, we don't, and we haven't, and we don't cause issues. There's been in the last two years, there have been two instances where I have been asked to put one on, you know, going someplace. Mm -hmm. And I just politely said, okay, no big deal. I'll, you know, I'll just go somewhere else. I didn't even make it a thing. And for me, it was just a, the mandate wasn't really a thing. Um, it's not, and it wasn't an emergency order. They didn't, they weren't effective. It was strictly a, someone said this would be a good idea or we should do it. So we're going to, but there was inconsistencies for the reason justification for it, who wore it, how they wore it. So either enforce or don't enforce, if you're going to enforce, then you can choose to, you know, not, um, be a patron of that particular business or industry. And that's fine. That should be in your own moral conviction. Yeah. It hasn't, hasn't anything. Um, the, the thing that saddens me the most is that in children who this virus affected to the smallest degree had the least chance of affecting them to any severity beyond if they had comorbidities, which for all the comorbidities, it's a very small chance. Any of those children actually had the underlying conditions. Right. Um, and I, we have family friends who are virologists on both sides. So this isn't coming from an ill-informed, I don't watch Fox news. I don't watch CNN. Um, this is coming from someone who has tried to be realistic and understand what is happening. I have had family members who have died from contracting COVID. I have also contracted COVID myself, gone through it and was fine because I have comorbidities, took care of myself. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to not have any of those things. Um, with all that being said, affecting children. So if you want to talk about the masking rid of it, why is it that this is the first time children in schools are required to do certain things to prevent spread of disease? Why is strep throat pneumococcal pneumonia not treated to the same degree, which right. has a significantly higher morbidity rate in children, especially right. under the age of six? So if you talk about preschools and kindergartens, yeah, all those kids with friggin' runny noses and coughing, just saying, you look at any sort of pre-K, kindergarten, all those kids, not all of them, it's generalization again, majority of kids are like that, right? Right. So our practice has been since I was a child, if you don't feel good and you're sick, stay home. That's not a ideology. That's a basic principle of if you don't feel good, they don't have to go out. Don't. 
And if you mm-hmm. do, try not to be in contact with anybody yeah. or do what people used to do. I don't feel good. Do I have a friend or a family member I could call or text to see if maybe they could pick me up something on their way home? Or do I have a spouse or significant other or whatever it might be, right? Like there's just, that's just common sense to me. That doesn't come from any standpoint of whatever, but specifically with kids, like stop. It didn't do anything. It hasn't. And the psychological effect that it's had on kids. Right. I don't think people are prepared to measure that. Yeah. It, it really scares me because, you know, especially for my youngest, you know, he's, he's getting returned six years old and he's in school right now and they, they wear masks every day. And what they did was they took pictures inside the school without their mask and they're posted in the classroom so they could see what their friends look like, because otherwise you wouldn't know what your friends look like. Right. You, You know what I mean? And that is such a jarring experience for them, but they don't understand how upside down that truly is. But the, the, the social cues that they're lacking from speaking with their friends or even knowing what their friends look like, they're missing out on so much. And like what you were saying, the, the, the psychological aspect to it, it's, it's damaging in the long term. And we don't even know the damage that's being caused in the long term because we haven't experienced it quite yet, you know, but it, we have a separation between human to human contact that could be quite bad in the future. If you can't connect a face to a human being, to a person, to a loved one, to a friend, you know what I mean? And I, I, I just don't know, but even, even my older two are going through the same thing. They're in middle school. My middle son, Amari, who was on the podcast, he, um, he was talking about, um, or they, you know, in his class, all of fifth grade, he was at home learning online and using paper packets that were mailed to the house. So he didn't get like that glorious year of being a fifth grader, being top dog of the school, which is an important thing to experience, right? Even, even if it's minimal, it's, it's an important thing. And then going into middle school, you're a sixth grader and going into sixth grade, you're wearing a mask. You don't know what your friends look like entirely. You, you, you forget, even if you do see their face, like in the bathroom or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Yep. You forget what your friends look like. It, there's a detachment there that I think people need to see other people's faces, see how their face looks when they're talking, when they're reacting, you even, know? Yeah. People even, they, they haven't done the studies yet to the extent to demonstrate the psychological effects of not being able to pick up visual cues when you are, um, prepubescent when you're really little the the actual effect that has on you for the whole nature versus nurture thing there's so many studies and i'm privy to it for work about the science of reading and how children pick up on things and the fact that children pick up their vocabulary from dad and if dads were to read a book that was longer than 10 pages to their children three times a week the expansion of vocabulary that occurs and that children before the age of two typically can speak, you know, several hundred words, maybe not perfectly phonetically, but can regurgitate sounds. Then you put a mask on somebody and do that. Not only that, the thing that keeps coming back to, like we just touched on, they didn't do anything. So it's really at this point, it's just a, 
demarcation of compliance or a we're doing this because we're on the good side about this. And it's such a silly premise. It's akin to people who um, claim to be believers to then do and say horrible things in the name of God, which is blasphemous. It's a very similar thing to say, well, I'm a Christian, so it's fine. Or I'm good, you know, for lack of a better terminology, my shit doesn't stink. Right. Like, yeah. I'm in the clear. I'm, I'm better than you because of this thing. And tying this into what we were alluding to earlier with the, you know, somewhat joking thing about autism. I don't think on the grand scale, people value other people. What I mean by that is every single life has inherent worth and value. Mm -hmm. It doesn't even matter if that person wants to end my life. That does not change that person's worth and value. It might change how I handle the situation, but it does not change the fact at all. And in my perspective, every single person that's ever existed was made in the image of God. And if that's what I truly believe based off what the Bible says, then every single person has inherent worth and value strictly because of that. So anything outside of that, no matter what happens, what they do, their worth and value does not change. Right. Context situational, you know, that's different, does not change their worth and their value. And we're so quick to change people's worth and value. Um, there's another podcast I listen to that they do a lot of fat shaming. And what I mean by that is not just picking on people who are overweight, but the mentality and the damage that that does and how it's socially acceptable to be overweight and the fact that you just shouldn't because you should take care of your body. And from a believer's perspective that the bot, our bodies don't belong to us, they're a gift that should be treasured and cared for and that we have a responsibility to them. Mm-hmm. But the fat shaming, like, you can be 155 pounds like I am and be fat. I don't mean like be a kid and be that. You can have a fat lifestyle and be lazy and be um, gluttonous and lethargic and self-centered and um, manipulative and dependent. So, but with that being said, if I look at somebody who doesn't take care of themselves or their family, and I base their worth and their value off of that. That's no better than hating somebody for any other reason. Right, now, right. It could, I can be driven mad by the fact that, that individual doesn't care enough to do that. And that can drive me nuts. And I can be so upset about it. But if I let that get to the point at which I start saying that that person is worthless, I'm so far dug into self-centered, self-righteousness that that will affect how everything else I do in life uh, or everything else I do in life will be affected by that. And so people with the virus and mask wearing on both sides have placed worth and value in people's lives where it doesn't belong or made people of little to no worth based off of arbitrary geopolitical, socioeconomical status and standings and interactions. And to the plausible possible change for our country and the world as a whole, Mm -hmm. um, 
until we start valuing all of life, and I mean literally all of life, no matter what it looks like, uh, because that is a person made in the image of God and they have inherent worth and value um, and is not our place to determine their worth and value. I don't think things would get better. Um, and it's amazing how my body, my choice is such an asinine statement, but when it comes to COVID, that that's not cool. Right. Right. Like, I just don't want to assume the risk where I want to be in charge of that decision-making for myself, but then you're not because you're putting other people at risk. It's like, well, who's determining worth and value at this point? And right. why are you, why is society more important than me and my family? Right. You know, right. like that's yeah. such a backwards way of thinking. Not only that, but we come from the same standpoint as in like my, me and my family, right? That's the same argument. It's just two different sides of that argument. I'm going to do X, Y, Z without saying the terminology, but I'm going to make these decisions for me and my family. And then I'm going to make these decisions for me and my family or not make those decisions for me and my family. But then for me to suggest that that person's decision-making, they're now an awful human being because they didn't do it. I think that the decision-making might be foolish, but when I start placing people's worth and value off that stuff, that becomes a very, very deadly and dangerous conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think you, you might've hit a keyword a little bit ago when you said um, political, do you think that this, and not to dive into a, um, a political conversation, but do you think that if, if this would have happened uh, this being COVID, mm -hmm. if COVID would have happened under any other administration other than Donald Trump, do you think it would have been as big as it is considering H1N1 and, and, you know, all these different things? Do you think that it would have grown to be what it is now and what it has been for the past two years? So it's an interesting conversation because I remember hearing about SARS and I don't know, you know, our age, we're very similar in age. So the, the SARS virus, I remember hearing about it, but not, we weren't in a position where it like made, you know, the same kind of contextual sense to us or it didn't seem as much of an issue. I think because people place people's worth and value off of arbitrary subjects and topics, you know, if I, someone who is completely polar opposite to me, it'd be very easy for a lot of people, I think, to determine so someone who lives in a lifestyle that is directly and vehemently opposed to mine, mm -hmm. if I saw that individual or I was interacting with them, I have to first and foremost look at that as that that's a person that's been created and has worth and value on that. And if I do anything else or place any judgment without seeing the, the fruit of, of their labors and how they interact, I'm sinning directly. And so because the, we've grown to a point at which things are so polarized that now the distrust in government is so heavy because they realize that it's been politicized and polarized. I think that if this had happened during, let's just put, you know, a non-controversial non, um, presidency, like, I don't know, the Clinton presidency. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to be non-controversial. Rape. Um, Sorry, was that? That's probably that's probably the worst thing that I've said or done in a long time. But uh, <laughs> that's gonna was. be the that's gonna be the soundbite for this episode. Yeah. Let me get a clear one. Uh, right there, you go. <laughs> what it was? All I'll put some saxophone wanted. in the background. 
all those people who want to be um, virtue signaling or, you know, claim moral superiority. That's what that guy did anyway. Um, and yeah. now he's a podcast. Did you hear, did you see that? He's got a podcast. Does he really gonna sit down and have interactions with people? And we're going to get to the deep questions about stuff in life. Yeah. No way. Smooth talking scumbag from Louisiana is going to have a podcast. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. Apparently like once again, I believe that people should be forgiven. I think what he did was detestable and horrible. Doesn't change his worth and value. But I think that what he did was detestable and horrible. Whoa. I didn't, I didn't realize that he was starting. I, I thought he was basically damn near dead. Yeah. And that's not a joke. I wish it was. I wish it was wow. a joke, but it's not. Yeah. Once again, doesn't change his worth and value. Detestable, horrible things. It does not mean he's a detestable and horrible human being. It means he did detestable and horrible things. Yeah. He, he did human things. Yep. He did human things. So um, with that being said, I think that let's say that it happened with, okay, let's, let's throw out the um, first Bush presidency, not junior, but senior. Okay. Right. One that was mildly controversial, but not to the same degree, um, like the Johnson administration or the Nixon administration. So the first Bush presidency, if this had happened during that, I think it would have, but I think it would have been handled very differently. Mm-hmm. I don't think that people would have suggested that it was Republican or Democrats causing the problem. I don't think it would have been divided on that. I think it would have been divided on ideologies, not political belief systems. I think it would have been based off of personal ideologies related to um, virology or uh, religious beliefs um, or personal convictions, which I think, honestly, I wish people would have handled it this way. Um, It seems like, strangely enough, towards the end is how it happened, but not at the beginning when it should have happened. Right, right, right. It seemed like there was kind of a consensus, at least like this is a concern, but then you look at People who were on the political left saying, don't trust the Trump administration. Anything they roll out is going to be hot garbage. And then all the people who, um, which I think people who make posts about being right-wing conservatives without understanding context and, you know, vote for people like Dan Crenshaw and then uh, try and claim the second amendment, but they don't realize that Dan Crenshaw is a, an individual who makes detestable um, decisions and has red flag laws in place yet. And also does insider trading and a few other things that I think are detestable. Mm-hmm. Once again, not worth or value, does detestable things. You should probably change those things. Talking right. to you, old eye patch from Texas. <laughs> you lost He's your, listening. You lost your, your eye in, in the war. Thank you for your quote unquote service. Serve your country now. Um, yeah. Right. Uh, don't stand on uh, your dead friends to get clout. Man, I'm saying some things that uh, would probably get me in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> but it's the reality. You don't have to look very hard to find that information. I think that, yeah, yeah. if it, if this, this particular presidency and current uh, geopolitical and socioeconomical world we live in right now, the, the, the quote-unquote climate yeah, and culture, I think that that played a huge factor. But it's, uh, it's strange to me. Maybe it shouldn't be, but it's strange to me that common sense just went out the door yeah in a major fact it was it was apparent and evident like it was there the whole time right this wasn't like well this is all new information it's like from the very beginning they said masks don't work right yeah 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 and you know the one of the biggest issues that i have with this whole thing was remember towards the end of trump's administration when they were talking about rolling out the vaccine and, and so on and so forth, it was all of the, the Democrats or left-leaning at least 
was saying, I will not take a vaccine under Trump's administration. Yeah. And then as soon as Biden takes office, they were like, oh, we need to take the vaccine. And it was such a weird flip-flop that happened over the course of a month to where this vaccine went from, I'm not touching that shit, to where if you don't touch this shit, then you are a deplorable human being, to use Hillary's words. Um, (laughs) You know, you're a bad person if you don't take it. And it's like, what changed? Was it interesting how the, once again, like to tie into the worth and value deplorables, the unwashed members of society who weren't vaccinated. And not only that, not only are we going to call you deplorable, not not only are we going to say these horrible things about you and claim all these things that we have absolutely, we, we can't prove at all. It's not even, a lot of it are just unjustified claims about these people. You have no idea. Some of the most well-educated, intelligent um, democratic or left-leaning people are unvaccinated because they realize the dangers or they're willing to assume the risks. So to suggest that there are all these Trump supporters, which by the way, let's stop using that as a caveat for anything to get anywhere. Right. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, yeah. Oh, you voted for somebody votes mean almost nothing in this country. Exactly. That's a sad thing. People don't understand that. Yeah. Your vote means almost nothing. So stop relying on it to affect change. Yeah. If you yeah, want to it, borrow the terminology or buzzword, do better, be better. Literally, stop yeah, trying yeah. to rely on government to do that for you. That's yeah, ignorant. It, if people only understood, and when I say if people only understood, I'm sure there's a you know a good majority of people that do understand. But if they understood redlining and gerrymandering and how these things were set up from the get-go to make whatever whatever big government wanted to happen happen then it would be a it would be less of a discussion of you know being a quote unquote trump supporter or a democrat or whatever and it is interesting how saying trump supporter is this all encompassing umbrella term for you're a bad person yeah right and and it's like saying liberal like you might be right. liberal in your decision making but that doesn't once again, the merit system, it's like we're friggin' brownies or Boy Scouts, right? That we have these merit badges. We've done these things. I know how to tie a knot. I've learned how to make a fire. <laughs> Therefore, I have merit or value because of these things. No, that's not what determines it. Yeah, it's yeah. so ignorant and frustrating. Yeah, yeah, it truly is. And I, and me personally, and I, I don't think I've spoken on the podcast about it previously. Maybe I have, I don't know. But I, I truly and honestly don't feel like COVID would have reached the levels that it did if Trump wouldn't have been in office, because it really seemed like it really seemed like people were looking for a reason to amplify anything that came down the pike. You know yeah. what I mean? Yep. And whether that's good or bad, I, I don't know and I don't care, but the result of it is very bad. You know, yes. if you wanted Trump out of office so bad, okay, cool. I can see your point. That's fine. That's fair. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily need a president that's on Twitter talking shit to Rosie, Rosie O'Donnell. You know what I mean? We don't necessarily need that. But the people that paid the ultimate price is our youth. And that's one thing that we definitely didn't need. 
especially in today's age where we have technology taking over the way that it is, where kids are already detached from their friends because they only know their friends through playing Fortnite or um, social media or, you, you know, fill in the yep. blank on whatever the fuck. You know, what we didn't need was in-person contact being blocked by a, a, a basically like what they would do on TV with a blurred face is what the mask is. You know it what is. I mean? Yep. You're, you're blurring the, the face of your friends and you're, you're, you're canceling the interaction between that person because it no longer becomes an interaction from human to human. It's human to whatever the fuck that person is saying. And yep. whatever that person is saying is detached from a, who they are on a personal level. It is. It, it created, it created, I shouldn't say it created because it's existed. It allowed for people to weaponize, if I can use that correctly, um, interpersonal relationships mm -hmm. to yeah. a degree that had not been readily available. Yeah. Um, people use the term like gaslighting and all these buzzwords. Really what it is, is manipulation. It's psychological or physical manipulation, depending on what it is. And um, in regards to mask wearing and COVID and these things that have just been literally on and in our face this whole time, let's take a quick step back and realize that this is a virus that in the grand scheme of things, people are, are literally going to say what happened for two years. Yeah. Wait, you mean people were forced out of their jobs. People were publicly tried and taken to prison, um, which happened right? Like people oh, are yeah. literally imprisoned and for sure. get other nations. I mean, not just the United States, but I, I think specifically like in Moscow, um, uh, in Idaho where they, people were outside singing at a church and they were taken to prison. Right. Right. Same uh, thing because, happened in Canada. Yep. Because, uh, yeah, that, that pastor was taken from his church and hauled into prison. Um, the government has absolutely no business doing that at all in no. fact it's not their place so um it is so absurd to think that people would rather live in fear of something despite the fact that the evidence is there and apparent than to have to potentially make decisions that would make them socially uncomfortable it would be easier for me to abide by the preferences of a few who may have more political and or uh, social sway than to say, I believe this certain thing, or I don't know, and I don't want to assume. And rather than doing that, I would rather negate. I am perfectly fine saying on this podcast that I am unvaccinated. And there are reasons I am unvaccinated. And it does not come from a, I'm a Republican, and I don't trust the government to give me some sort of a needle and put something in my body and make me gay or change my DNA. <laughs> yeah. I looked at the consequences of taking a vaccine. I did the actual quote unquote research. And for anybody who claims that because I don't have a medical background, I can't research something, then explain to me why you justify in higher education kids learning how to do research papers. Right, yeah. If someone can lay out a thoughtful argument on that point, I'd be willing to go, you're right. What I didn't do is wasn't research. What I did was just reading some things and comparing yeah. and contrasting 
coming up with a reasonable argument and presenting it to people who had different beliefs than I did, who were maybe more well-informed, and then conversing with people who were in the medical field on both sides, and then asking them based off of my, for my current status, my health, my wellness, my routine, the issues may have been present, my medical history, and asking and comparing. And then I also, which first and foremost, went with my own personal convictions, which means that no one has a precedence or authority over my body because my body doesn't belong to me. And for anybody who's looking for scriptural context, you can find it in Second Corinthians, um, the idea that our body is a temple and we're to respect it and take care of it, provide for it, um, and others the same exact way. So the government has no authority to tell me what to do with my body. Mm -hmm. No business has the authority to tell me what to do with my body. Oddly enough, the people who claim my body, my choice, I would agree with them if it was their body, but it isn't. And I'm fine with someone taking that argument. We don't need to go down that road if we don't want to. But um, when you're talking about someone else's life, you have no authority to end that person's life. Now, your own body, absolutely. And in that case, you have the authority to say no. And unless it's a situation other than that, which is a very, very small percentage, don't talk to me about that nonsense. But our age bracket, Dougie, are two dudes who are relatively healthy who take care of themselves, the adverse side effects of any of the vaccines related to heart conditions are so extreme. Yeah. And in my small context, I have somebody in my family and I have two very close friends. And I know it's a small and it's anecdotal. All three of them have severe heart problems now to the extent that they regularly see physical therapists, as well as general practitioners and specialists. One of them works in the medical field who got vaccinated. Mm -hmm. He's younger than I am. He has developed a heart murmur. He has developed severe chest pains. Nothing else in his life changed besides that. Nothing, no stress levels, no job changes, nothing. Right, right. Someone who has a strict routine regimen diet, who doesn't take things, who doesn't even drink very much caffeine, all of a sudden develops heart murmur, chest pains, the whole like myocarditis stuff. It's yeah. real. It's there. And oh yeah. So when people go, you're just concerned about, no, there are legitimate concerns. And you know, the whole thing about it, changing your DNA, that actually has apparently been a thing. It's oh, documented. Yeah. It, yeah. It's so stacked to where people were doing this strictly as a measure of compliance. It's, the the adage never been about health it hasn't it's been about no. compliance and, and control and oddly enough i think that the republican party would have done something very similar i don't think they would have been as um authoritarian maybe is the right way to say it but yeah, i think no, it I definitely would have been like a compulsory thing i think yeah. it would have been it's a right thing to do. You need to do it because the NRA, the government, they're your friends. You should give us money because we want to take care of you. Now yeah. stick this needle in your arm, go smoke some meth, and go sleep with your cousin because <laughs> that's what Republicans do. We're all from Alabama. That's yeah, my impression of what people who just say Trump supporters or deplorable people, that's what they think Republicans are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. A hundred percent. And, you know, it, and like, you said if it would have been if Trump would have gotten a second term, I feel like there would have been a, a lot more Republicans that would have been okay with taking the vaccine. I feel like there would have been a lot more left-leaning people that would have refused taking the vaccine. Either way, me on a personal level, I wasn't touching the vaccine. 
And for a very simple reason, and well, a couple, a couple very simple reasons. One, I had COVID. It kicked my fucking ass. I'm not going to lie about that. It whipped my ass, but it didn't whip my ass any more than the flu or food poisoning did. You know what I mean? And it sucked, but it sucked for two days. You know what I mean? And by day, by day three, I was cool. By day four, I was ready to go. But due to the restrictions, I couldn't go back to work. And with my wife having severe asthma and being hospitalized so many times for her asthma and respiratory infections and so on and so forth, I wasn't going nowhere near her. So I spent my 30th birthday in my bedroom by myself, not doing anything but watching fucking Hulu and Netflix. But I wasn't touching the vaccine. But also, once the studies came out that said that the vaccine, first of all, doesn't protect you from contracting COVID, nor does it stop you from um, giving it to somebody else. I was like, well, all bets are off. I would have considered it if it said, if it, if it was able to stop me from giving it to somebody else, because we used to see my grandparents every weekend. I haven't mm-hmm. seen my grandparents for eight months, right? Because they're, they're scared of COVID, which fine, rightfully so. I'd be afraid too, if I was in my seventies and have smoked cigarettes for 50 plus years. You know what I mean? I'd be worried about it too, because you fit the comorbidities that are taking people out. You know, people are dropping like flies with their comorbidities, old age, yep. poor health. Well, yeah. And that even, unfortunately, not to, sorry, not to interrupt, but no, that's even been so skewed and weaponized to where people now suggest that if, if someone who potentially has a comorbidity, the COVID death rate, did you see that it was like 70 and I'm, I'm going to have to find the exact study or reference it, but I'm going to approximate. It was in the 70%. I think it was 72 and 76%. I believe that was the range somewhere in there. Of patients who died from COVID had at least four simultaneous comorbidities. Yeah, I think four, four and a half was the average, I believe. How? Yeah. Yeah. You, like you talk you, about the percentage of who it affected not to mention the fact that if you potentially had covid or symptoms similar to it that was the reason or cause for death right right i i know somebody who was killed in a motorcycle accident Mm -hmm. covid oh is it is that what they i'm not exaggerating dougie covid wow the man wow. was killed in a motorcycle accident. He wasn't killed by a motorcycle that drove by and sneezed on him. Right, right. He was yeah. driving a motorcycle and it impacted a vehicle. He died on site. Because but of because, COVID. But Quote, because unquote. he had some sort of viral load in his system somewhere, allegedly COVID. It, we live close to a hospital. Hospitals haven't been packed this whole time. I know it's one hospital. We live close to actually two of them within five minutes from our house. Yeah. There's been a couple of days where the parking lots have been packed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, and to your point, I haven't seen a single hospital around Wichita, which is the biggest city in Kansas. I haven't seen a single hospital that has been like overloaded. You know what I mean? Obviously, I don't see the internal workings or anything like that. But like you said, driving by, seeing cars in the parking lot and so on and so forth. Like, it did, I, I don't see what the media sees, apparently. And- Not only that, but the, the idea, like you were talking about getting it and spreading it to people or, you know, catching it. It was never a message that it kept you from getting COVID. It was always that it would reduce your body's response to it. 
yeah. and you had potential immunity to certain mutations of the virus to an effective level to where it would it would significantly decrease allegedly mm-hmm. your body's response to the virus but the way in which people handled it was that you get the vaccine and you're good so then you talk <laughs> about doing your part was what they would say yeah yeah i got vaccinated i'm doing my part i'm wearing my mask you could have been like the most virally effective person in existence with the vaccine and wearing a mask. And if your mask was dirty and you weren't wearing it 24 seven, you weren't washing your hands and you believe that you were safe because you were vaccinated. So maybe you took off your mask. More people got sick based off of an assumption that they were fine. Right, right, right. Exactly. You know what happened when I got COVID? I didn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I treated it like I would the flu with more caution because I knew the way in which it was going to be handled by people. Yeah. Yeah. But once again, if I get the sniffles, you know where I'm not going to a, to anywhere if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't leave I my bedroom someone, for two weeks. I could get someone sick like before COVID. I don't want to do that. We yeah. have kids. If right. we're going to go to the nursery and one of them happens to have a sniffly nose, it's like he'll hang out with us in service. Maybe. Or will one of us stay home while the other one goes and we'll stay home with the kids? Because right. guess what? I know what it's like being a parent and having sick kids just with like runny noses and not feeling good, much less anything more significant than that. And I wouldn't wish it on anybody. And yeah. that's just me trying to be a reasonable person saying, I don't want my kids to get your kids sick. So yeah. let's just reschedule or let's just avoid direct contact if we can. And guess what? That's really easy to do for almost everybody. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a very small part of the population that can't, especially, especially at the height of COVID when they were sending out stimulus checks and people were getting, you know, people couldn't be evicted from their homes for what a year and a half, if not more, you know what I mean? There there are three homes that are on our street that finally got to the foreclosure point at which people were evicted. I mean, yeah. like within the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That and we're run down, falling apart, which is so sad, but, and I don't know every situation, obviously. So I, I really try to not assume the worst about people. And I mean, that really, even though you know me, that I can immediately say some pretty horrible things about somebody based off of very little information, because <laughs> that's just my sin nature. That's, I, I deal with that level of self-righteousness that I shouldn't have inside of me. I'm, I'm, I'm the same person. way, man. And then I immediately <laughs> convicted, like, I'm a horrible person because I think that way about somebody else. You know, how dare I assume that? But it's like, unless you're physically disabled, you know, yeah. like you could not um, have your shades completely ripped apart. You could not, you know, park your car in the yard. You could not do some of those things. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think a lot of people saw the COVID era, and I think this is that's probably what it's going to be called in the near future, the COVID era. I think a lot of people took advantage of the COVID era for self-gain with the PPP loans, which the government is now going after people that were taking advantage of that, which, you know, they did a bad thing, you know, and- yep probably shouldn't have (laughs) but it also highlighted a certain part of the population that um looked at it as an excuse to be what they truly wanted to be and that was lazy and it it really it really showed who those people were 
you know, and the, as soon as, as soon as COVID hit and they were like, Hey, don't go to work. Or, you know, if you can avoid going to work, they were like, you know what, actually, I don't want to go work at the gas station this week yep. or for the next month or whatever. And that's when you start seeing, especially on social media, where people are start talking about the, the stimulus checks. And then it got to a point where it was so quote unquote owed to them that they gave it a new name where they're like, just waiting on my STEMI, you know, and it, it, it gained a new name. It, it had a new label to where people thought that it was owed to them because this pandemic was happening or whatever, when it's really on you to provide for you and your family and you kind of got to handle these things. So I, I really feel like it highlighted a portion of the population that, you know, it really showed who was going to fucking go to bat for their people and who was like, actually, no, I do want to stay home and do fuck all with my life and collect free money from the government because it's owed to me because I exist. Yep. And that is a level of self elevation that is very easy for any of us to get to so you know it's one of those things like a like you said it it showcased people's heart where they were yeah. what they truly wanted in life i was convicted recently because my work typically would cause me to travel in the last couple of years i haven't had to travel very much and this month is the heaviest month of travel i have seen in two years mm-hmm. um i am gone at least two nights a week for the rest of the month the very minimal and we have you know younger kids and i'm married and i love my wife and mm-hmm. she loves me and we love our boys and we love being around them and i love having an office that i get to work from home it provides certain challenges but it's also been the greatest blessing that i've experienced in the last couple of years being able to be so close to them and enjoy my my two boys and my wife on a daily basis yeah. when i don't have to go for work but i was convicted that um I was starting to get in that sense, like, man, I really don't want to have to go travel. I thought, you know what? That's part of my job. That is what I knew. I signed up for it. And mm-hmm. just because it was a huge blessing to be able to be at home, that I need to not have a sense of entitlement to anything because I'm not owed anything. You know, I'm not owed a job. In fact, once again, related to the only thing we're promised in this world is suffering. That is the only thing that we're actually promised. We're not promised yeah. anything about suffering. So 100%. if our attitude is anything less than that is we have blessings every single day by the fact that we get to wake up and have a breath and get to enjoy that. And I had to take it to heart and I had to you know, tell myself, pull my big girl panties up and get over it. Like it was hard, but part of it was that, that weird lie that you could tell yourself like, no, I'm, I'm just, I don't want to sacrifice my family. It's like you're sacrificing time being away for them. But when yeah. you're home and you're not being productive and doing your job, you are not, um, you are not giving your company what you promised them. And that's deceit and that's sin and that's wrong. <laughs> right. And yeah. unless you are um, purposely trying to get away from your family, if you're required to travel or whatever it might be that you have to do, unless you're doing it when you don't have to be, then it's part of the job. So what to do. And I look at family members and I, I look at friends who are in the military who have had to travel or TDY or have to be overseas. And in comparison, now long haul trucker, not doing that. It's a couple of nights. I get a FaceTime them if I want to, I can call them on the road. You know, yeah. it's, it is, it's rough just because they're younger and I like being around them, 
um, and they mean everything to me, but it, it's so easy to get in that settled mentality. It's strange. We didn't receive any stimulus money um, just due to our, our income level. And when, when we had kids and stuff, and it was funny because I remember someone saying like, well, you should be getting that money. And I said, you know what? Um, we should be getting our, that money, quote unquote, because it's coming from our taxes. So mm -hmm. we should be getting that. But at the same time, I'm not owed anything from the government no. um, or anybody. And in fact, I'm fine. If there are people who really need that, if, if $1,200 changed your life, there are bigger things at stake. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean like, wow, we can, you know, pay this bill or whatever it might be. But if $1,200 was really the have all be all end all to change your life, there are significantly bigger things at play that need to be addressed or you need help. And I yeah. don't mean that from a sense of, I don't understand. Um, I grew up poor and I don't mean like we were fine, like poor. And when we were first married, we lived with my parents for four years and paid a very small amount of rent. We both worked full and a half time jobs. Mm -hmm. We both were finishing up school. Um, we didn't have anything. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't have an apartment that we barely scraped together. Like we, we couldn't even afford that. Yeah. And $1,200 would not have changed our life to the same extent. You know? Right. Yeah. So fiscal responsibility comes into play in those aspects. And if you're a homeless person were to receive that, there are so many things that lead up to that point at which that $1,200, unfortunately, is probably not going to change that, you know, sadly yeah, you, enough. You made a series of decisions, whether it's on you or on your circumstances, that um, put you in a position where $1,200 was going to make or break you. And like I said, social media is weird because you can see what people are doing with themselves. I, I, I don't know how to word it because it's like yeah, 12. You can really see how people, you, you, what you were saying about it, it showcasing what people want it to be. Yeah. That is something that, um, and the effect of worth, worth and value and perception, being able to see somebody, the only thing you can see is what do you typically want, what they typically want you to see whether that be on their own volition or subconsciously, you mm -hmm. know, if it's screaming from the inside, like this is who I am. And no matter what I do to try and keep that at bay, you're going to see that come out the good and the bad parts. Um, social media has al allowed a platform for people to share the things about them that were never meant to be shared publicly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Good and bad. Yeah. And there's almost this, false sense of security and being openly vulnerable. And there is a diminishing return on investment from sharing too much of your life with other people. Yeah. So social media really is the mask that we're wearing right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like as far as like COVID goes, we're wearing a mask. That's what social media is. It gives you that sense of separation between who you are and who you're sharing information with to where you think that they don't know who you are for whatever reason. So you see, 
you know, previous friends from high school or your early twenties or whatever, and you see the things that they post and you're like, why the fuck are you sharing this? Yep. We, Madeline we, and I talk about that all the time. Like, why are you, why are you posting your life on the internet for people to see? Yeah. What good. It's like this. So I don't think that you're this kind of person based off of what I see from your social media, but to anybody listening here, this is not like a challenge, but the next time you're, maybe it is a challenge. The next time you're about to post something about your significant other or someone you care about or love, instead of posting it, call that person or write that person a letter or look at them, put your phone down, look at them in the face if they're sitting next to you, which often happens and say the things that you want to, to them. And if you can't say that because you struggle with words, or let's say that you're non-auditory at all, Mm -hmm. then write it down and give them the letter. Yeah. There, there is almost no excuse as to why not. And if you say, look, I can't call, I get nervous, write a letter, take a picture of it, send them the text and say, you know what? I wanted to say these things to you, but I couldn't. When I was convicted deeply about writing sentimental things to my wife on Facebook to her, which everybody goes through a phase where they Mm -hmm. do stupid things like that. When I realized that that was because I have a need for affirmation as a person, as a man, which I believe we all are inherently built with a desire for affirmation and acceptance. For sure. I was seeking that vicariously through other people by saying, look at me and how good of a husband I am and how much I love my wife. Yeah. That's nobody's business. That is between my wife and me. And you know who needs to hear that? My wife. And (laughs) you know who doesn't need to post on the internet? Me, because I don't need anybody to see that. In fact, the idea of be quiet and let someone assume you were a fool then open your mouth and remove all doubt should be applied to almost everything in life. Mm-hmm. Better to be quiet and someone to, af- to assume that you are a fool than for you to open your mouth and to completely remove any doubt that you are because you've proven that you are. Yeah. You know, like I'm so sick of seeing people, right? Just want to show a picture of my family. They're so strong. I love them so much. I just don't know how I could get by another day without them. I mean, why my wife, Cheryl, she puts everything out on the table. <laughs> she busts her butt. She's so hardworking. And my two kids, Tomlin and Samuelton, they work so hard and they're just so good at their schoolwork. And he's a football player. He runs so hard, <coughs> does this. Look at how good my family is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No one cares. Right. You know who would probably care is if you took a picture of your family you wrote a brief update and you mailed that to your mom or your dad yeah. or maybe your family. Mm-hmm. Instead of doing that, how about you self-sacrifice and go travel to see them? And instead of going, here's Samuelton's senior football picture. Go play football with your son and friends or family. Yeah. Like, sorry, this is such a thing that bothers me. About- me as well this like idea of clout or internet posturing. I had a friend tell me that he was thinking about posting a reel on Instagram to boost the algorithm. This guy, by the way, doesn't make any money on Instagram. This is not a thing. And (laughs) I had to contain myself because the first thing I want to say was that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard someone say. 
And then I realized yeah. like, that's a really hateful thing for me to do. And my heart's in the wrong place about this. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, let's just ask him why. Then I thought, no, because that's going to go down a rabbit hole that I personally and selfishly don't want to go down right now because I, <laughs> it's going to make me very sad yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to find out that this person is so concerned about their Instagram attention. And then I realized that that people think that there's some sort of token or value in that. Yeah. Like, look at how many people saw my story. It's like, why do you care about that? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who, who actually fucking cares? And when I post things on social media, which is few and far between, if I post on social media, it's typically about my podcast and what I'm doing and trying to grow my audience because I, I, I'd like to talk to people that I find interesting and, and so on and so forth. It's also a thing to where I can post and then see later in memories and, and so yeah. on and so forth. But um, there's one more thing that I want to get to. And then let's take a break real quick. We'll come back and we'll get into it. And then we'll wrap things up shortly after. We'll be right back with a word from our sponsors. Hey, I'm Shari. And I'm Shayna. And we are two curvy models. With a knack for life and family. So come join us on this beautiful journey. Where the chaos never stops. It's going to be so exciting. Shari, Shari and Shayna on all, all platforms. platforms. Now that's S-H-A-R-I. And S-H-A-N-E-A on, on all, all platforms. Are you a, uh, are you a, are you a Coke Zero kind of guy? So I, because all of my uh, dietary stuff, I have to be pretty conscientious about what I drink. And I've chosen for my, uh, my vice to be rain brand energy drinks. That's like the one thing that I kind of drink. I actually used to drink Red Bulls and I stopped because it's got so much friggin' sugar in it, but I drink <laughs> yeah. rain because they're um, sugar-free. And if it wasn't so late, I would have been drinking one. They just came out with rainbow sherbet. Mm. It tastes like rainbow sherbet. I'm not exaggerating. I have a case of cherry limeade in, in my garage. That, that's nice. been my go-to flavor. They have white gummy bear. There's like three, but rainbow sherbet came out and I finally found it today. And it, it literally tastes like that. And as somebody who's lactose intolerant, I can't have rainbow sherbet. And so yeah. I haven't yeah. tasted rainbow sherbet, Dougie, in like five years. And it, I was like, this tastes like it. I got to double check. So I gave them to Madeline and she was like, this tastes exactly like, exactly like <laughs> a bowl of rainbow sherbet. It's so good. Yeah. That, so. That's, that's one of my favorite um, pre-workouts uh, supplement that I use is I use, um, gym supplements. I don't know if you're familiar with the name sounds very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. Jim, Jim Stepani is it, that's the guy's name that, that makes it. And, uh, he has a sherbet flavor and it's oh, so dope. good, dude. It's so check good. Out. I do a C4 brand is the stuff that I use for my pre-workout stuff. Oh, okay. I've got some, um, I'm blanking on like my general stuff I have is actually a cherry and limeade flavored BCAA mix that I do like my bottle. Oh, for the, the like the branch chain amino, amino acids. Acid. And yeah. actually rain energy drinks has it in, in coenzyme E10 too. But there's a, um, I have a creatine pre-workout thing that mm -hmm. I do. Um, I turned into kind of a gym rat over the last few months. I oh, know nice. I look huge, but um, I put on like, that takes time. It does. Yeah. Well, 
So uh, we started back in December, related to working out. Started back in December, Madeline and I were like, hey, we really want to start working out. And I've always ridden bikes, but I've just been like a skinny guy. And I realized, you know, there's no reason for me to like not try and put on mass. So I was like, I'm going to try and do that. But more so than caring about like the aesthetic of it, I want to get strong as hell. Like I want to be, I've always been physically capable and always been able to lift more than I should. Yeah. But like, I want to be able to, part of it was like, I want to be able to, to throw a dude around if I had to was right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like Connor McGregor fighting weight essentially right now. Um, where I have very little body fat it's like muscle and bone and skin. That's about it. But, uh, we've been diligent doing this. And so mixing protein in it. So I started and I max bench because I hadn't had atrophied so much because I haven't been lifting was like 135 in December, mm-hmm. uh, Friday. So if, no, not yesterday. Thursday morning, I went to the gym. My max bench is 175, which is 20 pounds more than my body weight right now. Nice. So, well, I was like, that's awesome. Thank you. I was like, that's cool that I can see gains, but yeah. I don't look that much bigger. Um, but I definitely have more like muscle mass in my arms right now. And I can definitely tell that I feel stronger, which is huge. And that I'm trying to take like realistic chunks in it. Um, that's so important is it's not, it's not an overall gain it's small gains over time. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's because as soon as you, you know, cause it's easy to compare yourself and it, this, this won't be a part of the podcast if you don't want to want it to, that's fine. But, but it's, it's difficult because you could go five or six days a week to the gym mm-hmm. and you can bust your ass and you can get your supplementation dialed in and you can get your dietary needs you know, dialed in and you can get all these things done and you can bust your ass. I got a weird fucking moth flying around me right now. Get the fuck out of here. Um, you could dial that shit in over the course of six or eight months or whatever, but you could look no different whatsoever, yep. but you can feel so much better than what you did before you started in on that, you know, particular journey. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I wish I could bench, but my right shoulder won't allow me. I used to pride myself on, on my bench, but I, I, I just can't anymore. So I'll do chest flies and stuff like that. And I've, I've got a lot of chest workouts that I do, but I just can't bench anymore. But my shoulder just won't let me, it'll fucking give out halfway through a rep. And then it's a whole different ball game. Then it's like having failure with, um, I don't know exactly which muscle group it would be. I haven't done any sort of, um, kinesiology stuff in such a long time, but right here, when I would get to this position, yeah, would lock and I wasn't able to get extension for a long time. And so I went to strictly just using, um, barbells instead of just using like a full bar. I was just doing like, sorry, dumbbells. I was just, yeah, dumbbells I knew for that. Yeah. yeah. Um, you can clearly tell how much of a gym bro I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, du- way terminology, like you well, dumbass, you don't know. You know <laughs> well, dumbbells are nice because if you find yourself in a situation where the weight's just not going up and I, I don't work with, I, I don't work out with um, other people or anything like that. So I don't have spotters or anything like that. So that's where dumbbells come in handy, where oh, if yeah. that weight's just not going to go up, drop that shit, drop it. You know what I mean? Like yep. you're not going to hurt yourself. You're not going to put yourself in a chokehold with the barbell, you know, if you're just using dumbbells. So I will use that. But if I use, if I do any sort of bench work like that, it's usually going to be incline or decline flat bench just destroys my shoulder. Yeah. And for the next three to four days, that's, I can tell like motherfucker, God damn, 
you know, but and it's, it's, it's all an ego thing too. Like benching is an ego lift. Like for me saying that I can bench 20 pounds over my body weight, first off, it's not that impressive, but then the same, I really just want no, to, it is, to the point when I was, when I was lifting somewhat frequently, 175 was my, my, my bench back then. And I was like 135 or 140 at that point in my life, like how much I weighed. So I was super skinny, but I could bench some. And so that was impressive because my friends who were a lot bigger than me could bench the same way. So it was like a pride ego thing. Now for yeah. me, it's that I want to be stronger, but I also want to put on physical mass to be more intimidating. And I'm not saying that from an ego, like I don't want to look good in a t-shirt. I want someone to look at me and go like, I don't, I don't think I want, I don't think I want to pick a fight with that guy. Right, right. as a man who's you know responsible for protecting my family yeah. um i don't need to look like a skinny dweeb hipster kid you know try and look like a man act like a man do man things but we're gonna be homesteading like i want to be able to keep up with that kind of stuff and i'm i have two boys at least at this point if we don't have more you know soon and i want to be able to toss them around i want to be able yeah. to beat them up when they're bigger <laughs> and want to you know fight like that's i want to be that dad i want to be yeah. a dad that's in the in the stuff with them mixing it up and and letting them be boys and grow into men and yeah. my dad was like that for a majority um unfortunately his his work is so stressful and so demanding and it's changed that he hasn't had quite the opportunity to do that and before that happens to me i've been trying to prep for that so that it, you know it's going to catch up with me at some point but i'm trying to delay it as long as possible yeah and with boys inevitably the rite of passage is fist fighting in the front yard something as, like that right at like some point something. it has to happen for them not not you know partially for your sake too because you're like hey my boy is my fucking boy now you know my boy is my boy is a fucking man now but also he's you know if he squares up with you in the front yard you know in his mind he's like yeah motherfucker i'm a formidable opponent now you know so it has to happen at some point so you yeah you gotta get some ass on you I remember, um, well, that's the thing, like, I, I am, I am built like the, uh, lightweight MMA guys. Like that's just, that's how I'm built. Yeah. And so it's like, I need to get into mixed martial arts. Like I need to do that. And then I realized, I don't know. I don't know if my bone density is strong enough. I haven't broken a bone <laughs> in my life, but it's like, I'm going to be that guy who goes out and snaps my femur in half in my first kick. <laughs> but then, uh, I, I, uh, got into not a real fight but uh like sparring with somebody it's like i think i could probably do it it was i was i'm pretty slippery and i play dirty so like i think i could do it yeah like, i don't want well, part of me but then i but then for me just because i'm autistic i'd like <laughs> i get so into it and it wouldn't be good they just yeah. it wouldn't be good for anybody yeah well I, I, I you said you about shirts like it just wouldn't be good for anybody <laughs> you're at what 155 you said yeah one, between 155 and 160 is where i flux right now uh, okay so 155 160 yeah so you would be slippery as all hell yeah you know i'm a 29 inch waist i'm five foot 11 like okay yeah so i'm like right at six foot and i'm 215 i got like 60 pounds on you you yeah. know what i mean like if it if it came down to it if i got a hold of you and I was like, I wrestled you, you to the ground. I would have to be very strategic in my placement or else <laughs> yeah. you're wiggling the fuck out and you're choking me out. You know what yeah. I mean? But if I punch you, it, you know, it might spin your head around, yeah. you know, you'd look exactly. like fucking Daffy Duck. You and know? then if I, if I kicked you though, because about half of my weights and my legs, 
I think you've probably seen cycling pictures and stuff. Like I'm built from the waist down for whatever reason. You know, there's John Mulaney talks about how he's, he's like, I probably should have been a gay person. I think they like got me 90% of the way there and hit the gay button. And they're like, Oh no, you didn't do that. That's going to be a very strange person. Um, I wear a size 12 shoe. I'm not six foot tall. I'm a shorter than that. I I'm under 160 pounds. Yeah. Uh, but my legs and calves are that of a man who weighs like 40 pounds more than me easily. Right. Right. And uh, I think like they, I got built to a certain point and then someone was like, that one's already done. Just put that on top. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, like yeah. Just finish them up that way. That'll, that'll be, that'll make sense. It'll be fine. Yeah. Well, you know, in, you know, I've always been super into um, contact sports since I was a young, young child, you know, football. I have too, and, that's because I'm an angry person. It, yeah. And it's a good outlet for it, you know? And so if you can, you know, especially once you hit middle school and you can pad up and you can just go out there and just fuck somebody up and it's justified because you're trying to get a ball, then, you know, more power to you. But so I've always been in the weight room since middle school with, football, basketball, wrestling. And I always took weightlifting very serious. I, I've always loved weightlifting, but the, the thing that I always lacked was agility and mm. athletic movements. I've always been very strong, but athletic movements have always been difficult for me. You know what I mean? So that's been, that's my goal right now. I'm getting ready to turn 31 in less than a month. By the time, and I, I told Shana, my wife, this, by the time I'm 33 years old, I've never been able to touch the rim mm. on a basketball goal. By the time I'm 33, I want to be able to dunk. That'd be awesome. And that, that's, that's my goal right now. Because if I can hit that by 33, and I've been working on that since I turned 30 after I got done with COVID, that's, that's my goal. So I gave my, myself three years to be able to dunk a basketball. And if I can, then fucking fantastic you know what i mean i've always had strength on my side i've never had agility on my side whereas you having a um a smaller frame you have more so agility on your side mm -hmm. and you know lower lower body um strength and stuff like yeah. that you've also got stamina on your side with being a um a cyclist and and all that whereas you know i've always ran i've never cycled i've always ran um whether it's long distance or um short sprints sprints have always been more difficult for me, but I used to do long distance all the time. I used to not, I haven't done this in quite uh, maybe the past five years. I haven't been too into it, but I got into running hey, so we, much. We talked about that to the point, which like it was an obsession for you much like basketball. I think we talked yeah. about that, like how cycling became for me, a thing where I was obsessed is a very easy way to say it. I think it really was like an all consuming thing where that just became me yeah. who I was. Yeah. And I, and I was like watching YouTube videos on how to not heel strike while running and the, mm -hmm. the proper shoes to buy and, and all that. And, and, uh, five days out of the week, I would do three to five miles every day. Yeah. And then every Friday I would do what I call it a Friday cry day where I'd run 10 miles. I don't care what the fuck happened. I don't care if I was deathly ill. I don't, I don't care what the situ situation was. I was doing 10 miles, hell or high water. I was getting it in. And I haven't done that in a very long time. I, I, I tried to do, uh, are you familiar with David Goggins? Yes. Okay. 
So David Goggins does for, for those just listening that doesn't know about Goggins, he's a um, monster. He's a fucking beast of a human. He's not even a human being. I don't know no, what he is. There is something, and I don't mean this in any sort of disrespectful way. I mean, this in the reality of the human conditioning. There is something broken or that he broke through in his mind to be able to get to the point he did. You yeah. don't do things with your body like that unless you are able to separate the physical from the mental aspect. Yeah. Yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. He's definitely crossed over into a realm that 99.9% of the population couldn't even fathom. Have you, you know, have you experienced like that point where you're able to tell your body, like, we're going to do this thing no matter what in much much smaller um increments than what he has he does it with consistency (laughs) yeah so i've only had i've never experienced a running high i used to run too i i run now for cardio because um my whole pursuit of this was like practical application of being in better shape not so much doing it to check boxes but to say I want to be physically fit. I want to be stronger. I want to do this for my health. I want to do this because it's good for your body to beat it in submission. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps mentally too, and will make me mentally stronger. Um, but um, running specifically, like being able to run is important. Like you should, I mean, in bad situations, physically being able to move faster or yeah. being able to move <laughs> consistently is helpful. Yeah. It sounds silly, but that's like a thing, right? If I could, if I can't jog, the odds of me in a bad situation being either of service or getting out of the situation are, you know, minimized. Yeah. So with the mentality part of it, I've only experienced that one time that I can remember. Mm-hmm. And it was during a, an exceptionally long bike ride from Chicago to St. Louis. Um, oh, wow. 24 hours. Um, it was just shy of 300 miles is what the ride was supposed to be. There are several factors that led us to not be able to complete it. We got to Springfield, Illinois. We rode from Chicago to Springfield through the night because mm-hmm. uh, Amtrak delays, a few other things. We were supposed to leave middle of the afternoon. We didn't. Anyway, so we do this. We've been pacing consistently from Chicago, Illinois to Springfield, Illinois on bicycles. No car support, nothing like solo supported from the packs we had and our bikes. Um, and we were uh just north of it in Lincoln, Illinois. And I remember riding at a set pace and I didn't realize at that point that I was literally just moving my legs. And from the contact I made with my saddle, I couldn't really feel, not that I was numb, but it was just, my body was just doing something that I was telling it to do. Yeah. It was the first time and the only time in my life I've ever experienced that. Right. And we weren't going exceptionally fast. We had paced ourselves. We were riding about 16, 17 miles an hour average. So when it was good, we were moving faster. When it was not slow. For over 200 miles, though, at that, I'm realizing that it's in your body will do so much more than you think it can do. Yeah. And it wasn't like, you just got to toughen up. It's, you got to be willing to try and go past a certain point. I remember my legs hurting part of it and going, I'm, we're going to do this. I've committed to it, the time, the money, the effort I've trained for this. I've spent time training for this. So that's not time I'm going to get back. I'm doing this thing. And yeah. that recognition, it was slightly terrifying. Cause, and then part of me went, I wonder what I could do. Like, I think that's it's a God dangerous thought. To. 
And that's yeah. how Goggins got to us. I think he went, I got here. I wonder how far I can really push it. Yeah. And, and that's, that's dangerous because like you said before, you can do so much more than, than your brain lets you think that you can do. And to go back, it, it was during the, the height of the pandemic. We took, it was like five or six weeks off of um, work. Mm-hmm. And this was, uh, I can't remember if Goggins was doing it at the time, but I remember hearing about it around the same time where he was doing his four by four by 48. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with that? I, I'm No. Okay. So um, for, for the people listening, it's every four hours, you run four miles for the next 48 hours. And I thought this is during the pandemic. And I, you know, me and my wife were just sitting on the couch, binge watching Dexter, which is great, but it got so bad towards the end, but it was a good show for a long time. uh, Yeah. I I love that show. It's, it's one of my all time favorites for sure. And, but I was putting on weight and even more so I'm okay with putting on a little weight. I'm, I'm good with that, but I don't, I don't feel okay. I don't, I don't care what the number says when I step on the scale, I go off of how I feel. I've been um, 18 pounds heavier and it was not useful weight. And so I know that's, it's, it's not good. Exactly. And I, I truly, if I stepped on the scale and I was 300 pounds, I don't care that I'm 300 pounds. It's how I feel. And I'll just kind of check in with myself. I'm like, Hey, do I feel good? No. Okay. Let's hit it harder then. you know? And I was, I wasn't feeling great. So I was like, I'm going to do this four by four by 48. And I started in on it and I was hitting four miles every four hours that that's in the middle of the night. That's early morning. That's afternoon. I made it 16 hours into it. And my feet were like broken, dude. I can't I mean, imagine doing that. Like that's, dude, I was blistered. I was aching. It was like, I felt like if I went any further, I was risking long-term physical damage. That's the thing too. Cause like leading up to that, you know, it wasn't like you had been training with intervals, and certain right. things, like going <laughs> yeah. through the emotions where I'm going to run a little bit and then I'm going to spike and then push myself further than I should. I'm going to back off and recover and do it. Like there's intelligent ways to do that, that clearly <laughs> Goggins did, but yeah. then they do put these challenges out. Who's the, it's the Murph, right? Murphy workout that everybody does on veterans day. Oh, I've never heard play of carrier. And then you go and do like, it's Oh, uh, like an Atlas pack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. well, yes, yeah, I'm going to wear like a weighted, plate carrier like they'll put on like you know five to ten pound plates and either one anyway i've got one because i want to put on muscle mass fast so that's the easiest way to do it yeah who doesn't want to look tactical while they're at the gym maybe people get to you know look a little sus um <laughs> what's that white guy doing wearing an armored plate carrier right <laughs> like, we're not even showing that man like he's wearing short shorts he's fine <laughs> yeah yeah but Man, I tried that that four by four by forty eight. Man, that's that separates the the boys from the men, you know. And, and speaking of which, squaring up. When did you square up with your dad? Sorry, I I was about to derail it. Go ahead. What were you gonna say? No, I I have, and it's more recent than <laughs> it should have been. Last <laughs> and, week, you just like show up like, Dad, fight me. It was like a year ago. It. it <laughs> <laughs> it got spicy it got that spicy we had to square up with your dad oh yeah it truly did well you know and and i've never spoken about this on the podcast ever no it, i i i don't mind it you know my, 
you know, I, I can say it freely on the podcast because I own this shit. My dad's a piece of shit. And, <laughs> and, you know, it, it came to a situation where it was, um, you know, my dad wasn't treating my kids as well as he should have been. And so then it, it became a situation. So yeah, I did have a situation <laughs> where I did have to screw up my dad, but it, it was much later in life than it should have been. But Hey, here we are. <laughs> I, uh, I squared up with my dad when I was 18 and that was the point where I was like 18, 19 was when I was the heaviest I've been because I was just eating garbage and I worked at a yeah. bike shop. So I was like, I exercise, so I'm fine. Except that I look at back at pictures, like when you go from a 32 inch waist to a 29 inch waist and all you do is change your diet, right. like you're not <laughs> taking care of yourself. You can drop three <laughs> inches off of your waistline. By yeah. not changing anything but your diet, yeah, you're eating like garbage. That's yeah. a whole like fat shaming. I didn't look fat. People are like, you've always been skinny. It's like when you can say like you weigh almost 20 pounds more than you do now, and the only thing you change is your diet, that means that you were a fat person. Like, doesn't yeah. matter what the scale says, you know, talk about you. If I weighed myself, like I would ideally like to weigh, you know, close to like 170, 175, knowing that my frame now, if I were to be able to just eat more on a more regular basis and to put on that kind of muscle mass, that would be like my ideal. And I even like aesthetically, like to know that, that that's the muscle mass that I put on. Um, yeah. And then also for survivability, like if I get lost in the woods, my body's going to eat itself so fast. <laughs> yeah, That's why people talk about like being morbidly a beast, like being able to survive in the wilderness <laughs> if you're fat. You can just eat yourself. I've never heard that. <laughs> They're like all oh, you skinny guys out there talking about hiking, like the fat people are the ones who are going to survive because we're morbidly obese. Um, <laughs> well, that's a was, fun spin. Exactly. When I was a little <laughs> bit bigger and a lot, a lot dumber, I squared it with my dad. I remember looking my dad in the eyes and be the first time where I was like, I can take you. I remember my dad recognizing that he, that I probably could. Yeah. And my dad's always been very strong, but he's, he's just a little bit bigger, not much than I am and was for most of his life. He's always pretty skinny dude. Um, but always strong and capable. Like I have always tried to be, Yeah. But I remember standing there like square up and like, I could take you. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know for a fact I could take you. We, we didn't throw fists. We kind of got in an altercation and, um, he didn't like say like, you know, you're a man. Cause it was obviously under circumstances that were garbage, but I remember like, I was feeling <laughs> wrong. I was being retarded. Um, <laughs> That'll happen. I remember like thinking like, oh, I could take my dad and there being this like physically, I, I didn't ever at that point ever think like, I'm going to take you. But I remember thinking like, I could, I could yeah. fight you if I had to. Yeah. And there's something mentally as a man that like, you need that. And yeah. so we try to not dogfight our boys. Like, so I'm not saying it's not that, but we try to encourage like wrestling and doing oh, that yeah. like physical play for um, sure we have one of those like nugget things you can roll out they're like these foam things covered in fabric it's like a it's a white like, person like thing. a wrestling mat type of thing yeah it's like it's a white person thing so it's um <laughs> <laughs> triangle shaped pillows and uh we like throw that out in warren now my oldest is constantly like because people can tell him so i'm not gonna dox anybody but he was like hey can we wrestle on the nugget like yeah we can man I'll throw, throw you around, toss you around, play with you. Mm -hmm. And now the, now Herschel, my youngest is wanting to get into it with him. And it's fun to watch him because he's the instigator kid, like yeah. walk over, just like, ah, and like lay on him. 
and just try <laughs> right. to escape. And yeah. we weren't allowed to wrestle growing up. My mom didn't like that. And I've got a younger brother. And I remember when he came home, because he's in the military, when he came home um, from one of his deployments before he got married, we were hanging out in the basement, probably playing Call of Duty or something stupid. It was right after I got married. And um, like he said something and we just started doing that stupid brother thing, you know, you do where you just fight. And yeah. then, like we literally started fighting. Yeah. I remember pinning one another to the point at which like we weren't going to kill one another, but we were trying to hurt one another to a certain extent. <laughs> yeah. But there's this like healthy thing to do, like as a dude, for whatever reason, like that's good for you to do. And yeah. it's because that's, we were, we were built. Like that's how we clearly survived at some point. Like you had right. to fight somebody like, this is my strawberry. It's like, no, it's my <laughs> strawberry bush. It's like, fight me for it. Like yeah. I'll, I'll kill you and take these strawberries home to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It, it is a weird kind of um, it's a, it's a male dominated thought pattern that you want to physically interact on that level. And you know, I did it with my brother. My brother used to beat the shit out of me. DJ, if you're listening, I love you, but I fuck you up right now, dude. Don't even try me. But, <laughs> but I, I can't wait for the day that, you know, my kids, you know, square up with me and they're like, I'll fuck you up. And I'm like, oh shit, you actually might, you know, <laughs> because that like an exciting thing as a dad, like I can't, I hope my boys tower over me. And I yeah. hope that I am the scrappy dude who is built that I just knock the wind out of them when they do right like, oh yeah come try me you see this rocking chair I called him aloof for a reason that's the sound you make when i beat you over the back of the head with it yeah you you got to put down your carved bird for a second he's like hold on i've been carving this woodpecker for an hour and a half now <laughs> he's like, been squawking Dad, this whole just time bones you need to stop you're we're taking to a home like hell you are <laughs> you stab him with the bird bone <laughs> throw the bird at them <laughs> stabs one of them i i hobble away because my ankle's been eaten alive by the raccoon that I've, well, your ankle can't get eaten alive. My ankle's been eaten off by the raccoon I've been keeping in my basement. <laughs> what is that a raccoon? It's Henry. He's my friend. Everybody else left. He's the only thing I have. <laughs> when I tell Madeline, like these sort of stupid things that go on in my head, she's yeah. like, I really hope that you don't want that to be your life when you're old. Like, oh no, like if, if for some reason, God forbid, I was really alone when I was old, I would purposely put on an affectation and I'd be that guy. I would do strange things just to bother people. Oh, yeah. I would clearly, 100%. I would try to domesticate a raccoon, like 100%. <laughs> yes. Like what? And I had named yes. him like a dude's name, like like Adam or something that right. people would like, that's not a name you give an animal. It's like, Adam, come over here. <laughs> like this raccoon is like, like coming over, like standing on, standing on his hind legs like a person eating right. dog food. Like, what is that? It's like, that's Adam. He's my friend. Like, that's <laughs> Dude, a raccoon. So like, great. oh, dear God. Well, I probably need to get my eyes checked. I thought that was a zebra. Like, say things to people are like, what are you talking about? You need help. Yeah. Dude, it's so much fun to just fuck with people. Oh, it's, and old people get away with it. Like, I they honestly, get away with murder. Literally, they do. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that was the gas pedal. I thought that was the brake pedal. I was like, okay, to... Suge Knight, fucking I relax. I didn't mean to kill that bus full of autistic children in the subway parking lot. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I did. I... <laughs> so dark. I'm sorry. Was... Oh. <laughs> oh, 
the subway parking lot. Yeah, I. <laughs> yeah, I. I can't I wait for the day to get the club sandwich. It's two dollar Tuesdays. <laughs> I get a it's... senior discount because I'm sleeping with the manager. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, I. I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait for the day that. Uh, yeah, that, that, that I have that uh, that face off with my kids because, you know, the the thing is intellectually my kids are fine you know i i teach them things through and through you know what i mean things that weren't taught to me things that they're gonna need in the future and try to anticipate things that are coming you know technology wise and and all these different things i'm i'm, I'm trying to teach them things that are on the forefront of you know what their what their life is going to be their experience in life but that day where they just look at me like dude i'll fuck you up and i'm like Maybe, but and probably, but let's see, you know, that's going to be fun because then I'm like, you know what, after this win or lose, we're going to have a beer and we're going to have a beer yeah. on me, you know, and it's going to be one of the most enjoyable experiences that a father could possibly have. And yeah. I can't explain it. Maybe it's just like, I'm a fucking caveman. I don't know, but no, it's going to be great. That. It's from what I believe and understand to be the reality of the situation. Children are a gift and a blessing. We have a direct responsibility as fathers to prepare them for whatever it might be coming their way and to raise them to be men the way they're created. And there is a certain thing that we model after, from my perspective, our heavenly father and the way in which that we are supposed to love our children and give ourselves to them and be self-sacrificing. And in respect to raising boys you know if the dad advice section um like all those podcasts and youtube guys now are like you know quick dad advice here's the thing um letting your boys specifically know that you are proud of them and that that comes not from anything that they do but because that they are your sons like that is far and above anything and i i remember the critical times where my dad told me that and the effect that that had on me knowing that my dad was proud of me because of what I did but that because I was his son that that meant he was proud of me because he got to be my dad like that that weighs more on me than almost anything else my dad's ever said to me mm -hmm. and recognizing that and for my boys I tell them that probably to a fault where they're like dad shut up we get it but <laughs> right. like I want them to know that I I am thankful that I get to be their dad and I want them to experience being young men and growing into men and do all those sorts of things that I didn't get to do or not because my parents deprived me of it, but just situationally just didn't happen. I want them to go camp in the woods. Like I want to do an overnight semi-survival night with them when they're old enough. I, we want to have property in woods. I want them to be able to explore with, you know, proper supervision, meaning that they, I have to check in and stuff, but I want to be able to take walkie talkies and like go out in the woods and go be stupid for a little bit. Yeah. I don't want them to, you know, I don't want them to be um, irresponsible, but be, you know, boys be dumb a little bit, do dumb stuff, like go yeah. to fort and try and sleep in it and have the, the logs from the fort fall out. And one of you almost gets hurt and you laugh about it. I want them to build those kinds of experiences, but I also want them to not be afraid to be masculine and to be boys and do boy things. Like, yeah, that's really yeah. important. It's critical. 
For sure. You, you have to allow a certain um, aspect of negligence in an upbringing of a young boy. You have to allow them to fail. And it's, right? it's so difficult to, because us being boys, and I don't know what year you were born. I was born in 91. And, yeah, and you're then, only a year older than me. I'm 92. Okay. So we're like, um, we're like our birthdays are almost in the same exact like weekend, I think. Oh, so. true. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in the nineties, it was like, get the fuck out of the house and go do something. And then mm-hmm. you did, you did go do something and your parents didn't really care. Like, not that they didn't care, but they didn't keep tabs on what you were doing. They I, look obviously- like a, I look like a Floridian retiree. I was tan leather skin and I had platinum blonde hair as a child because right. I was outside all the time. Yeah. You're just constantly outside. You're doing different things. you got different projects going. You're building a fucking, you're building a tree house in somebody else's backyard that they don't know that you're doing that. I don't remember from the back of their garage. You've been slowly disassembling over the yeah. last couple of weeks. <laughs> exactly. You're just doing random. Like, Very specific. <laughs> I think you're, you're, um, I think you're in the clear. You're not going to get prosecuted on this. I don't think but, so. The, uh, what is it? The uh, statute of limitations have exceeded. Yeah, exceeded that's, a, this point. that's the words I was looking for. But you're like pushing each other on like um, like shopping carts into bushes because you just watched Jackass. You know what I mean? Oh, I like definitely did that, by the way. And it's a miracle that none of us have are crippled or not, you know, have severe brain damage. Yeah, some sort of long term situation going on. But, you know, that, that's just what we did in the nineties, you know what I mean? And I say the nineties, cause that's my personal experience, but people were doing that for, you know, eons before, oh, yeah. but you have to allow a certain sense of negligence. You have to allow kids to fail. And since you went through those experiences and you remember the pain that you experienced from getting pushed into a bush that you thought was just a bush, but it was actually like a rose bush or something. And then you're like, Oh fuck. And you try to protect your kids from situations like that. And, but you can be a helicopter parent. You know exactly. I mean? So if it's okay, can I say something? I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. You're good. so bad. I like I interrupt. Um, no, you're fine. So with the, uh, with the helicopter. So this morning, actually we went to some friends and I had the boys and um, Madeline was with the uh, mom and the wife and um, who are the same person. And I was with the dad and their son without disclosing their names. We were all playing and, um, Warren was climbing up a ladder that was just slightly out of his ability. Like it was a little bit, he could do it, but it was going to require him to be creative and to try and figure it out. And so I kept an eye on him um, close enough where I could get to him. Something bad happened, but I wasn't standing right next to him. And part of me thought I should probably be closer to him. And the other part of me thought if I am always that way, if I always, he will, either come to rely and be dependent on that Mm -hmm. and not in a way where I want him to know that dad will be there in a heartbeat, no matter what, you know, no matter what, that dad will always be there for me. Yeah. doesn't matter. Like I, I told people when work, like something happens in my family and usually they're like, I'm, I'm bouncing. Like that just doesn't matter. I'm not gonna be the guy that's like, I can't believe I wasn't there at the hospital. I was stuck at a work meeting. It's like defect. Oh, your job, you lose your job. I might lose my kid, you know, like those kind of things. Right. Yeah. I'll find a new job. I can't find a new kid. hundred (laughs) percent. But with that, I I want him to have some bruises and scars. He has a scar on his forehead that I feel bad about every day. 
because he tripped and he was out of my reach and I couldn't catch him. Right, um, right. And I like replayed my mind, but I also thought, you know what? Um, he, I don't own him. He's been given to me. And while I feel bad about that on a regular basis, I'm convicted I couldn't catch him. I couldn't, and I couldn't have changed the situation. Right. Um, but I, he needs to have some scars. Like I have some scars that from things I did, and it's not like a badge of honor, but um, we are fragile, but we don't need to be that fragile. It's a good idea to let them do some things. And he did it by himself. And I could tell that he had a sense of pride and accomplishment, like he knew he did it. And when he climbed up, I guess I like, hey man, I'm really proud of you for doing that. I know that was hard. Yeah. And you did that by yourself. Mm-hmm. And that sense of accomplishment, like having a grown man who he looks to for modeling authority and respect. And for me to tell him like, dude, you did a really good job. I'm really proud of you for doing that. That yeah. was cool to see you do that. Then he's like, I can do these things and I don't need to be scared. Cause I see what happens when we helicopter parent and I, it's easy to do that. Um, I catch myself all the time going, I need to, I need to let them be boys and I need to take a step back. Yeah. Like I'm not going to let them climb up a rock while it's eight feet in the air without suspension and me just standing there talking <laughs> to my friend and looking at my stupid phone. Yeah. Right. But there's a difference between letting them climb and going, they might trip and they might fall. Yeah. They're not going to break a bone and I'm not being negligent, but I'm letting them do that and experience that. And you have to take, I don't know if negligence, but it's, they have to have room for failure because if they don't, and they're never able to fail and learn when that happens, they won't have context where they'll build a sense that I can't fail or failure is not an option. And it is, it should be an option in the right context. Right. Yeah. 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 I think, I think they need negligence as young boys, but we can't have negligence as parents. Oh, we absolutely. Yep. They need to be able to make some decisions that are poor. Yeah. They, they have to have bad decisions. They got to do, they have to do stupid fucking things frequently. You know what I mean? Because if you don't have that, how are you going to learn? How are you going to know? And, and just on like a, you know, a biological level, you know, boys are curious. Boys are going to do random fucking things. They're going to do weird things. And the kids do like weird stuff, man. They do crazy things. And as a parent, it's fun. Part of it's really concerning. Yeah, for sure. And as a parent, you're like, Hey, what are you fucking doing? But for them, they're like, I'm just exploring. I'm having fun. I'm, and this is, this is something that I learned pretty early on as a parent of boys is everything is an adventure and who the fuck am I to tell them not to go on this adventure, right? Go on this adventure. Everything is an adventure to them. I support it, do it, but I can't be negligent. And like, if this is going to be catastrophic failure, I can't allow that to happen, obviously. Yeah. So I'll pull you away from it and be like, Hey, maybe don't do this. And this is why, right? Give them give them the the text to go along with your decision absolutely not just saying hey don't do this why because i said that doesn't yeah, help we anything try, we try so hard not to do that that's a, an easy area i remember um madeline just had this conversation a couple weeks ago it's funny how this is i mean obviously we're clearly talking about parenting so it's a relevant thing at all times but um how instead of saying like don't do that or you know saying like stop 
to say, we've been trying to do it for a long time now, regularly, and it's easy to slip out of it, but to stop what we're doing and just go, hey, make wise decisions. That's not a wise decision. And here's why it's not, because we grew up having too many of it because I said so, or because we're in charge. It's like, that's a really piss poor model. Yeah. My parents weren't always like that, but there was enough of it where there were times they were wrong. And if you're not willing to admit you're wrong, that sets a bad precedence as a parent. Yeah. Like that somehow, just because you're my parent, you have blind authority. And that's not really how it works. Um, we are you know, commanded to be obedient, but there's a line clearly. And we've tried to instill it in our boys now is with the authority thing, um, explore, try, do things. Uh, I'm not going to let them, like if one of them is doing something where they're exploring an area that shouldn't be explored, I'm going to kibosh it and I'm going to try and give them as much context as I can, but still be, you know, conscientious of their age. But when one of them just like goofing off and being weird, like I can't let that, like my personal like opinion of that just because of my particular perspective on it. Right. Like, like, like you said, you're on an adventure. You're being goofy. You're imagining things. There's been a couple of times where I've said something and then I've asked them, so what are you doing, dude? And they'll tell me, that's awesome. Actually, keep doing that. I thought you were like, you know, just uh, what's the right word? Um, when you're physically moving and being absent-minded about something, like literally, you know, not being present. Because right. one of my boys does that regularly where he just kind of like has a blank stare and just kind of like not paying attention to what he's doing and steps on stuff or walks into stuff. <laughs> Me too. So, yeah. Where <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, you're not present. You need to be aware of what's going on. Yeah. Um, but when they're being weird and silly, you gotta let them do that stuff. Yeah, it, it is super important to allow them to fail, but also encourage the fail, encourage the adventure, do it, figure it out, hurt yourself, but not so bad to where it's irredeemable. Like you, you gotta be okay on the other end, but yeah. And don't like purposely go in a situation trying to hurt yourself. Right. Yeah. Like you want to jump off the swing. Cool. But if you're telling me like, you're going to do a backflip off the swing, Hey, don't do that. And here's why, you know what I mean? Like you have no experience. Yeah. (laughs) You have no experience in acrobatics. Maybe don't try to pull off a backflip at the playground with no prior experience whatsoever. Like let's work our way up to that. You know what I mean? I'm not saying don't do it. And that's final. I'm saying maybe practice backward somersaults for a little bit and get the rotation figured out, you know, like and they have tutorials and I'd be happy to watch them with you and try and figure it out too. Exactly. Let's figure this out together. And I'm, I'm willing to learn it with you. I'm not going to try it personally because I, I don't have the agility to match what your pursuit is, but let's, I'll support you in your endeavors. Like, I'm not going to turn you away from that. Cause who's to say that you're not going to be a part of, you know, Circus Olay one day, you know what I mean? And yeah. if that's what you want to do, cool. I'm here for it. But, um, Maybe don't just dive into it because it shit could happen, you know, but, uh, but yeah, it, it is, it is difficult with boys, especially, you know, obviously both of, both of us are men and we've made our mis- mistakes in the, in the nineties and as, you know, young children. So we know the pain that's involved with 
certain endeavors and certain adventures, as I said before. And so when you see them getting ready to do something that you've experienced before, you're like, Hey, don't, but also you got to be like, yeah, fucking do it. <laughs> fucking do it and see. So you can learn, like I learned, you know what I mean? It's yeah, important. We try, we try to build that in where um, now, instead of me going like, no, 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 do that. I'm trying to rush and stop. I go, how are you going to do that? I yeah. ask them first and then to get them to think about the fact that if I don't have somebody catching me, how am I going to do this? And now um, Warren climbs down ladders before he was terrified of it. And now he does it because when he's like, you got to figure it out, man, I'll stand right here to catch you, but you got to figure it out. And it wasn't like a being a bully. It was, you got to learn to do some of these things and I'm going to help you learn how to do it, but you're going to do it. I'll be here and I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let you hurt yourself, right, but right. I'm going to allow you to fail and figure it out. And if you get scared and slipped, I'm going to catch you and you're going to go back and figure it out again. Yeah. Um, Cause otherwise it, they, then you just get, you either get too afraid to try things or you're never able to experience things because your parents do it for you. Yeah. And, and failure and physical pain are very um, closely related and I, f- I find it very important to pull them to the side and be like, hey, okay, so what you're feeling right now isn't forever. This is temporary. Okay. So you failed at this. And if this is something that you actually want to do, let's figure this out. Or I understand you you skinned your knee in this pursuit of whatever you're trying to do or whatever. The family this is guy skinned knee thing. Sorry, just talking to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. And it's like, the, the pain that you're feeling right now isn't forever. It's temporary. Okay. So get up as the old adage is get up, dust yourself off, try again, but try again with the knowledge of, Hey, what I did previously didn't quite work out for me clearly. So what can we do differently? Right. So speaking of skin knee, and this is the thing that I wanted to, to, to get to, to wrap things up and you could take as long as you want. I'm not rushing you at all. Um, Russia and Ukraine uh-huh. are in, and I was talking with uh, Kevin Prado about this too. I, I just wanted to hear your point of view because this is a huge fucking thing right now. Mm-hmm. And it's very scary, very dangerous. And I say both of those things on many different levels. I don't want to ask the question of like, what do you think of all this? But what do you think of all this? <laughs> like, so, um, without getting, without getting too in depth, because um, I just—it seems like a trope at this point—but that we could have talked for the last almost three hours together about this been topic. It's been two hours and forty minutes since we've been Good talking. Lord. I don't think we've been recording that long. I think we've been recording for a little over two hours. But um, yeah, I know. Time flies when you're having fun. Talk about yeah. woodpeckers and skin and raccoons um, well well so far you have my longest episode to date so do i really yeah <laughs> you really do i feel bad i feel like I, and then i just need to shut up um dude i i have nowhere to be my sundays yeah. are devoted to me and my wife and if we sleep in tomorrow guess what we sleep in tomorrow we're fine I'll be up at five in the morning guaranteed and oh no way you're fine Why? you're fine dude. I wouldn't have agreed to this, nor would I talk this long. It's like on my own volition, clearly. Oh my god! Yeah. I'm sorry, no. man. I, I feel bad either way. That's life. If I, I, I would have either been like, I gotta go to sleep, doggy, <laughs> um, or 
Hey, I just caused myself to yawn. Or yeah, um, yeah. your fake yawn turned into yeah. a real one. I hate when that happens. Um, so uh, to be brief as I can, um, I think people should explore the concept of what a just war is, mm-hmm. um, and come to their own conclusions based off of. Uh, if I could do the meme like the word research with the capital and lowercase letters, research. Like do your own research. <laughs> yeah. Um, the SpongeBob. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Or it's more like the, the wings arms, like research. Do your own do your own research. I need to take a screenshot of that. Exactly. Um, like the nobody asked. Do do your own research and come to your own conclusions about what you deem to be a just war. Then um figure out from a standpoint of what's happened in the last eight years. Um, you can do more than that. You can go back 12 years, but eight years politically, how have we aided and abetted both sides? Yeah. Where has there been collusion? Where has there been actual interference? Where has there been alleged interference when we stood for and against the Ukrainian people, when we stood for and against the Russian people, the wars in which we've been involved, which have led to this occurring, what's currently happening, how we should feel about it and support we should be offering. I have had to come to terms with my perspective on just war and what that actually is or what that would look like in context and actuality. And very few wars are just wars. Um, There are very few that you can even pull from modern context that people would actually be able to remember. People constantly talk about the Crusades and people who are religious will allude to them sometimes. Crusades weren't a just war. It wasn't even a holy war. The Crusades were a complete misuse of the gospel to change people who had a different perspective. It was wrong, not justified, shouldn't be, shouldn't have been condoned. Um, as much as I like America in World War II and blowing stuff up and killing Nazis, all that kind of stuff that everybody grew up subscribing to, in context and actuality, until Pearl Harbor was attacked, we didn't have justification for being in that war. And people right. could scream at me, yell at me, tell me I'm not a historian, don't understand. You don't. Um, they might have their opinion and I'm okay being wrong. But from what I understand in my perspective and my belief on it, we didn't have justification. So it wasn't just war. Now when it occurs, there's a difference between saying we don't have justification to be involved, but we are. And so finish it. And that's kind of where I stand with this. It's not our business to be involved in Ukraine and Russia. They need to, to sort it out. If they requested help, um, and we were able to help that wasn't sending our people over there to die, then I think we're okay in doing that and justified in supporting uh, throughout United Nations and NATO. And a lot of that is convoluted and messed up because it involves compulsory support versus voluntary support, which I'm a libertarianistic and voluntarianistic individual. Um, I, I loving your neighbor as yourself is not to be expanded to the idea of nations and people want to talk to me about not being altruistic or whatever. Um, you want to go in a third world country with me. If you want to donate part of your salary to doing that, let's do it. I'll right. take you on. Let's do it. Like if you really want to be altruistic, let's go do that. Let's actually make a difference, but getting strapped and going over to Ukraine to fight Russia is dumb. The Ukrainian people are actually doing fine. I think it's a messed up situation. I think it's very sad to show that that's where we are as, as a world, that we're willing to do that to other people, that we're willing to subject people to certain things because of ideologies that we want to kill one another, I think is deplorable. But it's also been around for the 
almost entirety of humankind in existence, that desire to crush and do that because we hate other people because of our sin nature. So uh, it's a messed up situation. It sounds like a white girl. It's really messed up. Like if the, <laughs> if the candy Koreans and the aristocrats could just get together and realize like, just because I'm not an asparagus doesn't mean that I'm not in cycle with the moon and the stars and the sun and whatever else was in that cold play song. It does doesn't like mean that. that we can't exist together. You know, I have a coexist bumper sticker for a reason. Um, <laughs> I drive a Land Rover on purpose and yeah i've seen yeah. gemini man that had nothing to do <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah no I, I i feel the same way and it's i think the only justified war thus far in modern history has been the civil war i think that's the most yeah, i would say when you're talking about brother against brother which sounds like sorry that sounds like a joey Greer thing Brother to brother, man to man. I mean, just like <laughs> some of this stuff from Good Night. Yeah, I th- in my personal opinion, I think the Civil War was the most justified because that was something that needed to be fucking figured out. And yeah, ultimately, it has. We have a lot of ground yet to cover as far as those issues go. You know what I mean? We we still have a lot of things to figure out. I mm-hmm. think. Um, you know, the, the murder of George Floyd really kind of re-highlighted those aspects. But aside from that, the wars and conflicts that we've been involved in hasn't been our issue to be involved in. Absolutely it hasn't, not. It hasn't been our thing. And even when you have the situation going on in Russia and Ukraine and we're, we're issuing sanctions left, right, and center, we're still buying a majority of our oil from Russia. It doesn't yep. make a whole lot of fucking sense. It doesn't. Not only that, but if we were more self-sufficient as a country and stop relying on people outside, you'd be surprised at what would happen. It's going to take a long time once again because of the way that the market's set up at this point. But if we weren't bought into China's pockets and Russia's pockets, we'd be a lot better off as a country overall. People don't seem to understand that, you know, like we would be like massively yeah. in so many ways. Um, I, I would be a fool to not claim that I think America is still the best country to live in because the freedoms and opportunities we get to enjoy. Agree. You look at any other country. I mean, people look at this, listen to a podcast from someone from Bulgaria. And she was saying that people look at America, what happens in the States as if it's a movie, like it's a separate reality because they can't understand how that happens. People yeah. looked at Australia as a model. Look what happened in Australia or Canada as a model. Look what happened in Canada is happening in Canada currently. Yeah. I still think living here is the best opportunity people have. Um, but with the civil war, um, to, I guess, to wrap up to, to get people thinking about it, my, my pose, my position, despite the fact that, um, I'm part of the stay strapped or get clapped gang, um, <laughs> wholeheartedly believe that, uh, the second well. amendment exists for the opposition of tyranny and to protect people. Yeah. Um, like wholeheartedly I do. And, and as a believer, I do because the constitution is a worthless piece of paper. That's a God-given right. It has almost nothing to do with the constitution. It happens to be a modern way to use that. Uh, that's built into what people would refer to as natural law. You look at what other people refer to as the animal kingdom or creation outside of human existence. The right to defend is just inherent. You can't deny it. It's apparent. So to deny people the right to do that, even people who might have broken the law, I'm on that side too. Um, I don't think you should ever uh, revoke their right to do that. If you go out and murder people, 
once again, pay restitution to that family, yeah. uh, but infringing rights of individuals. Uh, with all that being said, um, I am not a general pacifist, meaning that if something were to happen, I'm not just going to say, just let it happen, like no big deal. But I'm at the point at which you should pursue pacifism with the capability of extreme violence to end the threat at the point at which it's a threat to who you are responsible to and for. In the case of the Civil War, um, what's interesting is I don't believe that anybody was given or granted the right or authority to go remove people. Mm -hmm. But when they came to whatever sanctioned line it was for you or what you deemed and reconciled, absolutely. Um, for me, um, I believe that I bear the responsibility for myself and my immediate neighbors if there were a threat. But um, my neighbors do not take precedence over my family. So if there was something happening, you know, in our cul-de-sac, um, the mom, the single mama was next to us with her four kids, the guy across the street, his wife and his kid, and the neighbor and her son who live close to us, something pops off. Those are the people that I'm immediately close to that that's who's going to be the people that I'm going to try and protect. Um, but if someone's at our doorstep, I'm not concerned about what's going on at the neighbor's house. That makes exactly. sense. Exactly. Um, yeah. 100%. You know, but if something's on at the neighbor's house and my family is safe, um, I'll help I where I can help protect them. Yeah. Um, but that line for me is small on purpose because otherwise you start to get into a moralistic issue where you now say that this is my boundary. This is my boundary. This is my boundary. Um, if I was part of the military, the United States is, should be my boundary in world war II, And I had a, it was a 13 and a half hour long discussion with my dad about this on and off on our drive to and back from Virginia um, a while ago. And I was deeply set and, and convicted and convinced that we had every authority to go remove dictators from positions of power when they're murdering people. And we don't, um, not only from a legal standpoint, but also from a biblical standpoint. We've been grant, we haven't been granted that authority. Um, now, if I was in that country and that were happening, it's a different story. Right, right. That were happening in the United States. <clears throat> Someone was murdering Jews and mass genocide. I think that as believers and then as um, American citizens, we would have the authority and the right to remove that threat. But we don't have the authority and uh, God-given God rather sanctioned right to go uh, take out Justin Trudeau. Right. Agreed. Syrup up there, right? Despite the fact that what he's doing and putting Canada under martial law is not just tyranny, but it's despicable and a deplorable thing to do as a person. He's still a person. He's not acting like a good person right now. Right. Um, right. By any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but we but, don't have the authority to go remove him from power. Now, if you're a Canadian citizen and you think otherwise, I don't have any room to say, but draw your own lines in the sand or just get yeah. out. Yeah, it, it's it's hard because you see things like, you know, Russia and Ukraine or Crimea or even Australia and, um, and Canada. With, with the Crimea River? With Justin Timberlake? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I saw that meme a, a, a few days ago. That shit was so funny. What happens when they attack the Crimea River? It's gonna be May. <laughs> yeah. but yeah we, you know with australia and canada creating these police states you know you're you're not 
you're not really giving your citizens a um, a good foundation to believe in you. Not only that, yeah. but they took their gun rights away for forever ago. They don't have any means to defend themselves or to fight off this kind of tyranny. And that's the only reason it's successful. Yeah, 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 totally agree. Okay, so you have three sentences before we wrap things up. Three sentences. How do you think the Russia and Ukraine conflict slash war ends? You don't have to use all three, but you have up to three. Can they be run on sentences? Absolutely. I believe that another party will become involved, whether that be the United States or another foreign party, um, either in support or in opposition to Ukraine. And that will have a significant effect on the length of this particular skirmish and war. There you so go. There it is. Yeah. And it will have significant repercussions on foreign relations moving forward to an extent that we have not seen in our time, meaning you and me um, and people our age that we have not seen to the extent at which it's happening, including the conflict in Afghanistan and Iraq. That's what I would say. That's the, probably the longest three sentences I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, uh, I love everything. Semicolons. <laughs> no, and, and everything that you just said, I'm going to hold you to, just like I'm holding you to the buoyancy of wood. Also, and baby. <laughs> So with all that being said, David, is there anything you want to plug socials or projects or um, cash apps or whatever? Um, we're trying to get only dad's um, domain. It's taken and it's very expensive by we, I mean, I brought it up like a year ago and then we haven't talked about that since. So that's, <laughs> I just want an only dad's account where it's just guys who get on there and talk about Home Depot and cargo shorts. <laughs> And trying to give advice and then other dads showing them that it's wrong and then trying to give them advice on how to take it to trash the night before instead of trying to wake up early, which I never do. And waking up at 4 a.m. is worthless because you can't contribute to your family after 1 p.m. Just dad <laughs> conversations. Uh, no, that's just stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, the only thing I think I, I would um, I would truly plug if someone were really going to plug is I think that people need to spend more time with their families. They need to weigh their return on investment from activities, hobbies, and habits, and recognize that it's almost never the case that your current predicament is permanent. There is not to be a permanency attached to your current situation. There are, are almost always multiple opportunities to change, to exit, or to pivot slash transition slash whatever it might be in recurrent context. If it's not something either that you want to be currently doing um, something that isn't sustainable or scalable, or um, you are struggling to be content, not because you're selfish, but because you know, this isn't where you're supposed to be. So there are greater things. Um, this is not a permanent place to be in um, both 
literally and metaphorically and set your sights and hopes for things that are greater and recognize that power doesn't come from within you, but you've been given a lot of ability and capability and um, we've been created for the need for fellowship for a purpose. So find other people, build strong communities, not societies, build strong communities. Um, and the last thing I'll say is uh, build strong families, embrace tradition, grow your own food and become ungovernable. Yeah, no, I'd love every bit of it. I think that sums it up perfectly. And if you can't um, be peaceful, but burn it down where you can. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> David, thanks for being here, man. We'll talk soon. Thanks, okay. Daddy. Love you, dude. Love you, man.